listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 139. On tonight's episode, the fat manling is going to talk hobby. Because apparently, last episode they tried to talk tactics and he started a crap storm. So he's backing away and talking about painting. Because he may not be any good, but he can hold a paintbrush apparently. And he's bringing on that Harner boy. Because that guy knows how to paint. <laughs> Shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage, you tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop. My love of... T- love! Oh, I That was fast. Yeah! Screeching halt! For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and maybe some love and probably <laughs> some of my various other fandoms, bringing you tables, terrain, and other top-notch hobbying. I'm Dave Lub Whitech, and joining me tonight is the TO of this weekend's Holy Wars AOS tournament, Stephen Christopher Herner. Steve, thanks for coming on the show again. Steve, are you kidding me? He just quit. I'm all alone. I guess it's just me on the show. All right, folks. Steve, um, apparently I started off so poorly he quit. Dave? There he is. I don't know what happened there. All right. He's I'm, back. I, I was playing with my wires, and I guess something got crossed. Hey, hey. This is a family-friendly show. <laughs> So, I thought I thought I started off so poorly. You were just like, forget it. I'm out. Hands in the air. I don't know what the hell. All right. Well, Well, um, Uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. Great start. Let's just let's jump right into. Yeah. You know, and people actually um sponsored this show, <laughs> although now they're asking themselves why. Let's take a moment and thank those sponsors of Garage Hammer, shall we? Sounds good. Steve, would you mind? Uh, uh, yeah. The sponsors of Garage Hammer are Unique Gifts and Games. In Grays Lake, Illinois. Mercia Miniatures. That's M-I-E-R-C-E hyphen miniatures.com. Manta Games. Building Bigger Armies. The TC War Room in Traverse City, Michigan. You ain't wrong. And Battle Foam, protecting your... Army. Nice. Very nice. Well done. Thank you. Wow. Um, Sorry, I had to recover from that army. That's okay. That's okay. Um, wow, I got to recover from that, <laughs> my love, I don't even know, wow, I'm just, I'm, I suck today, this is just awful, I'm going to have to email, I'm going to have to text upstairs to Harrison and have him bring me down a frosty beverage or something because, uh, I can't handle this at this point, um, <laughs> Well, I don't want to know what you have on your mind. I'm going to have a diet beverage, I think, because otherwise, or no, you know, bring me down the unsweet iced tea, I guess. I would tell him to bring me down the moonshine, but it's I got to I got to weigh in tomorrow, and I got to work out at five thirty, and okay. those are a bad mix. So, oh goodness gracious me, I can't I can't remember the last time I had a drink. 
been that long. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a long time. I guess I'll, I guess I'll get back on. I'll jump off the wagon on on this weekend with Holy Wars. Yeah. See, now nah, even at my birthday, I probably won't have one. I probably next time I'll have a drink will be at uh, Adepticon. I'll bring a couple of yeah. bottles of wine and crack that open at Adepticon. So. So we got it. So so your birthday is the last weekend of every February, right? February or is it just 27th. a birthday celebration? No, it's February 27th. It ha- if it didn't okay. fall on the actual weekend, I could have gotten out and gone, come to Holy Wars. But yeah, it's yeah. actually February 27th is my birthday. It's actually falling on the day. And my <laughs> wife said, she said, if you'd rather go spend your birthday with your friends than with your children, you're free to go. <laughs> It's a trap, and and my and Harrison's like, dude, go! I can go spend the night over at my friend's house. That and my <laughs> and my ten year old said, Daddy, you don't want to spend your birthday with me. And my wife's standing behind her, smiling, and I'm just like, Of course, I'll be here, sweetheart. Yeah, that's usually the way it goes, right? Yeah, As they get older, they're just like, Yeah, get out of here, Dad. Exactly. My son's like, Really? Like, hey, I have to stay home now. I'm like, Well, go out to Maggiano's and get pasta. Shut up. And he's like, Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so actually it worked out for the best anyway because that was one of the days it was available for a Girl Scout cookie sales. So I'm going to be spending yeah. the first. I'm going to be spending my birthday morning selling Girl Scout cookies with my troop. So what are you going to do anyway? Whew. All right, back on topic here. Um, we got some emails, and um, I'm back to actually reading them because people stopped right. Thank you again to all the people who wrote. Oh God, dude, they're still coming in. I've gotten something like 80 emails. About episode 137. So thank you to everybody who is so kind and says such nice things to me about uh, the show and how much they like it. I'm getting lots of cool emails now from people telling me that, you know, hey, I game here and I game there and our gaming group is growing and growing stronger. Um, We're getting a lot more people joining the Facebook page and a lot of people joining the forums because the website is new and improved and the forums are back up, folks. And we're even working on filtering out the spammers. Like the fourth day, we got hit bad with spam, but we're 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 keeping it cleaned out. It, they're almost all 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 but one spammer came from Russia, friggin' Russians that don't take yet for an answer, mm. and and they oh spamming like crazy. But we've got most of them blocked. We got most of it happening. So, um, we're uh, we're dealing with that. Um, what I'm not exactly certain how we're going to do it, or, but we're trying to work on it. We're not certain if it's going to be admin approved just to get you in the forum or if, because uh, what we used to do on the old forum was you had to, uh, you had to introduce yourself in the introduction page before you could post anywhere else. Yeah, I remember that. And the spammers just posted there and that was like just it. And then they never went anywhere else. And apparently now they've either gotten smarter or something. Cause mm-hmm. they, they just post there first and then they post everywhere now. So it didn't mm-hmm. work. So the other thing that we were thinking is that your first, Daniel said he can set it up so that your first post has to be approved by, oh, okay. by an admin. Yeah. So you put your first post in and nothing will post until you can't post anymore until that first one's approved. Mm-hmm. So obviously the spammer will go and try to put in his spam as his first post. It'll have to be approved. <clears throat> and then I'll see that you're a spammer and I will delete you. And otherwise, I will let you through. So we're figuring it out. It's slow but steady. But, hey, it's a new website. It's a new forum set up. It's a new everything. But the new website, I think, looks pretty cool. I'm pretty proud of it. So go check it out, garagehammer.net, and check out the forums. And we've had, like, 70 or 80 people signed up in the last, like, six, seven days. So I'm, like, super pleased. So please check out our forums. Um, But we've gotten some emails. Uh, A couple of things I wanted to cover real quick. Uh, and if you don't mind, Steve, I'll just run through these really quick. One from a man named Eric Robert. Hi. Obviously, I've been listening to you for only two weeks. 
Um, he heard about us from the Total War Warhammer forum. Um, he really likes the coverage of the Warhammer world and even AOS. Even if I am not a real gamer, I always liked the fluff and hearing from you and your groups really chills me out. Uh, enough said. Congratulations on what you're doing. Good luck in the future. A new fan from France. So new people mm. coming in with, like I said, new people coming cool. in from new places. Um, I got an interesting email here from a man named, I, I don't know if it's Alan or Elaine, A-L-A-I-N, Dennis. Um, you have a listener in the great Canadian Quebec freezing north. Ironically, I've been enjoying your podcast for years but was not playing Warhammer 8th. Now I play AOS, so it all got even better. Uh, thanks for the hard work and the content. Uh, Listen to the podcast over on painting. On a different note, okay. So this is uh, about the thing that Chris Walker brought up last episode mm-hmm. about the wound allocation. First of all, I'm sorry that we even brought that up at this point. Um, apparently, you guys have been playing it that way the whole time uh, with the wound allocation. Some other people have been playing it that way. I personally never played it that way. And although, um, and I don't want to reopen a can of worms because, man, did that open a can of worms. Um, although I never read it that way and I didn't play it that way, and I still don't think rules is intended. That's really the way they intended it. Um, I can see how rules is written. That's the way it reads. Um, personally, I look at it and I see Age of Sigmar as a way. Of, the game is they've tried to really sort of simplify and streamline it. So why make wound allocation more complex when they've actually in 40K and 30K and everything else, they've made it very simple and straightforward, keep hitting the same model till it's dead. Um, But he sent me this thing, and I thought it was pretty interesting. He said um, he came across on a French forum answers from the White Dwarf team, and it's on Hmm. the warhammerforum.com, and it's the forum is in French, but the Q&A is in English. And he's like, I didn't even know you could ask questions by email. And there was emailing to the to the White Dwarf team. And I'll actually put the link to the topic on the show notes. But the text basically says, uh, first we read the rules. We thought it was clear that it was impossible. But then we saw some ability. Basically, they saw in the War Scrolls that the River Trolls, you mm-hmm. can uh, regenerate, you know, multiple wounds to multiple creatures and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um and um vampire counts his ability that with the blood knights models from this unit healed one wound at the end of the combat phase if the unit slew any models uh basically you know going through and saying there's different abilities it seems like you could heal wounds on multiple models in the same unit but we thought you couldn't have multiple wounds in the same unit so you know that goes back to that allocation thing can you allocate to multiple things and their answer was um, we suggest following the main rules. Take the whole models off before allocating wounds to new models. And the issue is, is more about the wording on that, and the rules team is already looking into it. So that was their response they got, and there was some of that there. So at least from the White Dwarf team, they were saying that that's the way they do it, and that's the way that they play it. There was more to it than that. I actually went and read the whole thread, but um, I've actually talked to a few other people I know who you know have played games with uh, some of the guys who work on the playtesting and design team type stuff and things like that, and they're like, they've always played it with, they just all keep going back to the same model in the unit till it's dead, um, which is kind of how I thought it would be. And that's, I mean, I think that's the way I'm g- going to play it, at least in the uh, here in the basement and at home. It just makes for a simpler game, I think, you know. Um, I know at Holy Wars, you guys are, at least, at least this year, the way you've ruled it is, 
it's rules is written. Yeah, rules is written. Yeah, and, yeah. And hey, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. it. It's open I, to interpretation. I think the, the, you know, the rules are not the the rules can be interpreted both ways. I mean, they really can. I think um, rules is written. It says to do it that way. I mean, literally, right. if you start reading from the beginning, every time a unit attacks, it's exactly what it says you can do. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just, I just want to keep it simple. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, 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 right. So, well, I mean, you know, from our perspective, from whole, for just real quick, and then we can move on. Sure. I mean, one of the things that happened during our playtesting for Holy Wars, you know, we did 15 unique scenarios with, uh, with different objectives for each tab. I mean, it's not just one objective you're playing for. You have a secret mission, a grail token, and a mail ta- a main table objective, and then a uh, a, a four, even a fourth objective, which is to keep surviving pools alive. Um, so you have four different things that you're that you're that you're battling over during the game. And early on, in when we started, you know, we started our play our play testing back in you know August, right? So that's when we started everything, and the game was just came out. Yep. So um, we. You know, we started playing, and at first we were we were kind of doing that. You know, that kind of you know, just put it on the put it on that same model. And then when we started to play more, we we started to say to ourselves, "Well, that's not exactly how it's written in there." You know, right. you know when when unit A attacks, yeah, you you know you 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 use up the wounds and and you allocate the wounds until you don't have any more wounds. But then when we, unit B attacks. It, there's nothing in there that says you have to apply it to the to existing model that has wounds. So then, what what kind of came out of that was that the scenarios were kind of designed around that. So if we were to change at the eleventh hour, that could have significant bearing on how some of the things work out with Holy Wars. Because you know this year's Holy Wars uh, theme is the, the the tournament where the terrain gets to play. Okay. So. So, you know, it's not an easy thing for us to just flip the switch. And, you know, I had I had a I had a lot of conversations with with quite a few players, you know, Brad and uh, Alex and uh, Alex Gonzalez and and uh, even a couple other TOs about it. And, you know, in and we just decided that we were going to hold steady um, for for now, you know, and then next year, I think what we what we need to do as a community is we just got to I think it would be great if we could all come together and figure it out uh, one TO to the next. Oh yeah. Hey. You know what? I like variety. Uh you know, there's different comps uh for Age of Sigmar, there's different uh scenarios, there's different ways of playing it. Um if everybody keeps playing the same thing, it will get boring. Um you know, even I was talking to someone just on Friday, I was talking to Taz who was on the show a couple uh a weeks ago and she was playing with someone, she was giving them a demo game and she was like, "Oh, I was using um, the uh, clash comp like you did with me and we were playing and she was trying to wrap her head around all the different secondary objectives. I'm like, dude, you should just totally skip that if you're teaching someone who's still very new to it. Um, you should probably just go pick a scenario from the book. I'm like, there's a thousand different ways to play this and if you're playing with someone who is still wrapping their head around movement, you know, don't mm-hmm. go with five secondary objectives. You know, there's a thousand ways to play it. So right. I have no problem with you know, one tournament saying, "Hey, we're going to uh, allocate wounds this way." It's hey, it's that's your bit of flavor. You built all your scenarios around it working this way, so work it that way. Who cares? It's one. Yeah, right. Honestly, right. if if wound allocation is going to completely ruin someone's tournament over that, I mean, I just I can't. You know, it. 
right, then you maybe you shouldn't be at that tournament. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I don't see it. I, I just can't see it completely ruining someone's day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, I think it's great though. I mean, if 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 GW is actually truly engaging on that level, and they're actually really taking a look at it, like that forum says, I was just looking it over because you have the link in the show notes. And um, you know, if they're if they really are evaluating, I think that's fabulous. And I would love to I'd love to hear from them. Yeah, and, uh, see what they have to say about it. Exactly. So. All right, let's move on to this next one. I got one more here from a guy named Nelson Martinez. Um, One more email, and then we'll take a break. Uh, Good afternoon, Dave. Wanted to take time to thank you for the show. Great voice of reason in the wilderness that was left after the demise of the old world. Well, thank you very much. Um, And so he says, what I wanted to ask you is to help us pass the word along regarding some exciting things we're doing here in the tri-state um let's see as a club they're organizing a number of stores across the three states and they've created a tournament circuit dedicated to aos so it's at www.gamergrunts.com at the bottom of the emails description blah 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 age of sigmar tournament circuit aos tc 2016 and you can find it, like I said, at GamerGrunts.com. Um, boop-a-doop-a-doop. I'm trying to go through this real quick. In simple terms, their goal as a club is to create a year-long event focused on monthly tournaments at stores in the tri-state area. New York, Connecticut. CN is Connecticut, right? Yeah, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. I hear tri-state area, and I think Wisconsin, Illinois. Yeah, that's what I hear. Indiana. So I was like, oh, they're local. Um <laughs> The goal for 2016 is to have up to eight stores participate in it. Uh, they have six already. They anticipate glowing, growing uh, to include Pennsylvania in 2017. Um, so monthly tournaments per store. Games are about one and a half hours each. Uh, participation will be tracked at the website. It culminates at the end of the year GT in New Jersey. Um, it's kind of like Circle City, the Circle City thing. Sounds like it. Right. Sounds a lot like it, exactly. Is that still going on? I'm Circle not certain. City thing? Tournament or right? Is that what it was called? Circle? Yeah, the Circle City Circuit. I that's what it was. Circle um, City I gotta Circuit. say, I don't think so. At least not in the iteration we know it as because of the yeah changes. You know, right, right. So, Have you heard from Gary? Wasn't that Gary Luther who was involved no, was in that, Gary or was Luther that somebody was else doing that? Um, I. Th- think i i don't know um last time i saw gary luther he was with fergus and those guys so i don't know if he's doing ninth age or what oh okay so i mean i'm certain we'll see him at at akon so yeah we'll find out what he's doing then i guess so yeah be cool to know but so basically they're looking for this to grow to a festival of all things age of sigmar so guys go check out uh gamer grunts dot com and check that out and at that point i think on that note we're way overdue for a break so we're going to take our break come back with news and rumors and the toolbox brought to you by casual coopers or break back
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with news and rumors. So the death book is out. I got that. Uh, yeah, not surprised. <laughs> I was surprised that they cut out the Tomb Kings. I'm surprised that they squatted the Tomb Kings. Uh, I don't think it's permanent. You don't? No, you think what, I don't. You think they're going to... I mean, well, but then why aren't they in the death book? I mean... I well, I well, yeah. I th- I think we might see them a later date in a new incarnation, in, in a, a new design, point? and and something that's more IP protected. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're. I mean, they say they say somewhere. I don't know where I read it, but I know I I read something where it sounded like they were still just asleep someplace. But why would you get rid of everything then? Why would you get rid of the others? I mean, well, I think you know. I mean, the the Tomb Kings. The Tomb Kings are very, I mean, some of the stuff is, you know, the, on the new release was really cool. You're right. Like the, the Necrosphinx and the Knights and all that good stuff. But um, it's still, I mean, it's it very, it has a sort of generic feel to it in a certain sense, you know? Um, Maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it was sad, but, you know, also it's one of those things where, you know, I, I was kind of happy to see them make a decision on something, I guess. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, Vargas was pretty upset. He's, you know, he's a Tomb King player. He's yeah. a Holy Hammer. So he was pretty, he's pretty gutted about the situation. Oh, yeah. And then Reed, that's his second army. So he wasn't very happy about it. Oh, uh, yeah. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a little scared as an elf player, what that means for the elves. Oh, I don't think the elves are ever going to go away. Well, I mean, they're still talking about I mean, they, they, a wood elf is a wood elf is a wood elf that can be used by anybody, right? Yeah, what's but the, they've what's already an elf. But well, but still, they've already talked about those characters. I mean, at least the uh, you know they've they've talked about Tyrion and Teclis and and Malekith or Malarian or whatever yeah. the hell he's calling them, and the, you know they haven't brought around their their peoples yet, but we know that they're there somewhere or they're supposed to be. Well, like Alarial in the uh, yeah, Alarial is, is there. Yeah. So I mean, we well, know she's that- got a new War Scroll, right? So isn't her new War Scroll in the Balance of Power? It doesn't say Elves on there, right? Or a Elves on it? I think it just says Order, and then I'm not certain. I, I don't have my book in front of me, so I can't. T- I can't tell you for sure. I thought I thought that was the case, but could be mistaken. Um, but anyway, back to the Tomb Kings. Yeah, I mean, I. I I don't know. I, I'd be surprised if they didn't 
if they were completely if they were shelved forever. But I mean, it, it's not like DW hasn't done it before, right? I mean, they they did it with the squats and 40k, and you know, I guess you could probably that make was an a argument. Long the Bert- time ago. Yeah, but- maybe the Bretonians are going to get the axe too. That would that's I thought they would go first before the Tomb Kings. Yeah, yeah. I well, who says and who says they won't? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at my Bretonian army. That's was my next project. So that's yeah. kind of gut wrenching. I mean, you know, I'm. It's. I mean, they're putting together a new world here. So we'll see what right. makes it through and what doesn't. I just. I. I was surprised. Like. I thought it was nice that they had these two that they mixed together. And I thought that I just always, you know, I like that Tomb Kings were not your typical just plain old skeletons and zombies. You know, they had, yeah. I mean, there was an Egyptian feel to it. And I, I mean, obviously it was this, you know. Very gorgeous armies. Right. But it was it was something that was different. You know, it was, I mean, it was undead, but it wasn't just. Right. Um, you it, know, wasn't it wasn't vampires. It wasn't zombies. It was. You know, the it was the right. You know, it was Egyptian all skeletons, right? It was, cool. it, it was just straight up. Yeah, everything. Yeah, had that feel. And I mean, you kept Nagash, and that's where he kind of came from. It just always surprised me. I never See, quite got the, the whole yeah. Nagash going over to the whole vampire thing, and being Lord of the Vampires, and not. I mean, I know that he gets mad, and he always kicks everyone's butt in in in. Uh, you know, with for the Tomb Kings, but I mean that that's still his. I, I just. It, it, something's not quite clicking with me. It just doesn't quite make sense why it, that wouldn't be there. But I mean, whatever. It, it is what it is. I can't, you know. Well, yeah. Me wish listing isn't going to bring it in any of it back any sooner if it is coming back or make it go away. I don't, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I. It was just weird, you know. It it was weird. I mean, it just kind of happened. You know, they didn't. It wasn't like a. It wasn't. Yeah, it just kind of it did come out of the blue. I don't know if anybody really thought it was going to happen. And <laughs> this boy didn't. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Vargas, when the rumors started to surface, I was telling I had mentioned it to Vargas, and he was like, "No way, no way." He didn't believe it, and then he he was pretty upset. <laughs> yeah, Heck, yeah. I've still got a I've still got a few boxes of Tomb King stuff. I never bothered to open. I hadn't opened, and it's like now it's like, well, I got them to get rid of because ain't no point. I mean, it's not well, much. I'm sure there'll be some Kings of Wars players and Ninth yeah. Age guys that are going to want them. I so. mean, it's not much. You know, I got a box of Ushapti, a box of Skeleton Chariots, a box of Warriors, and a box of Necro Knights. You know, it's like a little everything there, a little of the basics, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a, do you have a, do you think, do, who do you think's next to get the axe? Do you think it'll be like the Bretts or do you think it'd be somebody else? Well, I'm hoping nobody gets the axe, but um, mm. the ones who, I mean, everyone else can kind of fit in. The only ones I'm not certain where they're going to go is, is is are the humans. Yeah. Like, I know that the humans exist because they're there. Like, they've right. been taken up and turned into stormcasts storm from cast, different right. places. But, like, the, I, I think, I, I forget who was talking about it. It's probably Helen because they're, like, who else really talks about a lot of, uh, Age of Sigmar stuff, except for uh, Face Hammer, but it's probably Helen was saying, you know, the the, the basically the the aesthetic, the Bretonian aesthetic, and the uh, and the Empire aesthetic, you know, the French and the German, the two aesthetics, mm-hmm. you know, do they carry over into? You know, you were just saying the Tomb Kings might come back with a different aesthetic because you right. know, how does the Egyptian carry across out of the Warhammer world and into the new realms? The same thing can be said for the. 
you know, the, 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 right. the, the style for the empire. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what they do with that. You know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it, to me, I mean, you know, you release the Stormcast, and then, you know, they are the, they are the warrior, you know, the humans, um, they, the best human warriors. And so, you know, it would have made it to me. It would have been a, maybe a little bit more logical that maybe one of those two armies got phased out first. Like the Bretonians just kind of like become your Stormcast, um, and not the Tomb Kings. So, I, I don't like I said. I don't. I don't know what their plan is. You know, <laughs> well, plan is to retire some models. So. <laughs> <laughs> clear up some shelf space for exactly. other things. Make some room and figure out, yeah, get some stuff straightened out. So whatever, yeah. what can you do? Like I said, I'm just, the other stuff that's coming out is all 40K and 30K stuff, and I'm okay with that because, honestly, I need time to catch up with the books I've got, you know, at this point. Yeah, I'm falling behind, so I have, oh, I have, so I have a significant investment i got to make to get caught up. Right. I mean, I've been picking up the books. I just am behind on getting them read and stuff like that. So driving me nuts. So this... Gene Steeler cult game that seems to be coming out, you know. Yeah, those models look hot. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Oh, way better than that wolf and stuff. Oh my god, those are ugly. Really? Models. You don't like the space wolves? No, I love space wolves. I just hate those wolf and models. Oh man, I'm in love with those. Really? Oh, with those? God. Those? With, it's amazing yeah. how they all mutate. And they've all they all they've all mutated just around the face and the legs. I know. <laughs> those models are horrible. They're oh, terrible. I, no, I disagree. I love I love them. Uh, so I keep looking at them. I got the white dwarf right here, and I just keep looking at them and shaking my head like this. <laughs> I don't get it. I just I'm like, what are you thinking about? Like who? This? Oh no. No, I like those. I don't like the like the that that the last release they did when you they had that silly a little bit. out of theirs. But you can wolf them a little bit. But first yeah. of all, they're supposed to be mutating, right? <laughs> Come yeah. on, these legs look dopey. First of all, the legs look dopey. Uh, the, they on, got sort of pig snouty noses. Don't make me defend it. Come on. They do. They do. And, okay, hey, you can have a right to your opinion. I'm not going to tell you to change it. <laughs> My point is, okay, the, they all, look at it. They, 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 don't, they mutate it right. They all mutate in the same spot, their noses and their legs. They should all mutate a little differently if you're going to have some variety. No. You know, or have a little subtlety. They all mutated completely in the legs. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Why the legs? Like, that's just, uh, and they just, and they they look, uh, I just hate these models. All right. But, they, well, but man, they got some good rules, so you know they're going to sell a ton of them. Yeah, they will. Yep. I, mean, I think Brad's all all jacked up about them. I love space wolves. I just don't like, I mean, seriously, they got. The, they don't even look like wolf faces. They got like pig faces and stuff. No, they don't. You're Now you're taking it too far. You've I'm got, sorry that I'm, no I'm in, the, way, in the white dwarf, the, the pictures are kind of small. A couple but, of those guys look like, like Wolverine, man. I mean, they, I'm just looking at the noses. The noses look weird to me and the pictures in here. I like the guy on the cover. The guy on the cover looks like he's got a snout growing. That's like a wolf face. That the guy in the cover, Curse of the Wolfen. That yeah. looks good. These models. Maybe I get a close up here. All right, you know what? Here I'm looking at this guy in a close up. He looks a little better with the, the wolf snout. But these pictures in the on the actual cover, the white dwarf. That doesn't look very wolf snouty. Maybe it's just the paint job. He looks like a pig nose. Now I'm yeah, looking at the paint splatter. I think it's, I think it's more the paint job. Yeah, on the paint splatter on the close up, it looks more like a wolf snout. Okay. 
I'll take that part back. <laughs> but, <laughs> All right. Okay. But, you can take that back, but you won't take the fact the back the you still don't like the fact that it's just their feet that have mutated, huh? Well, geez, I'm turning into a werewolf. No, you're not. You're turning into a werewolf legs. Well, when I saw these, what I saw was an excellent opportunity to do like just fur them all up. So sure, they look you're like, like Joey conversion guy. We'll get to that later in the show. I don't have that skill. I have to. I have to work with what they give me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. I mean, yeah. I guess from that from that perspective, okay. I'm yeah. not going to say you're wrong, but no, you can so say cool. that. You can disagree. Oh, no, it's no, totally no, they're okay cool. to disagree. They're, I like them. I like I just, them. Yeah. No. Go ahead. I just. I, 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 do. I don't. I've always been like a closet Space Wolf fan. If I was going to go for, if I was going to jump back into 40k. I, I thought I would do like the Space Wolves. Oh, I, you know. I, I love the Space Wolves. They're 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 one of those. They're I really I like them a lot. They they totally. I love. When their I saw aesthetic. the Wolfen Man, I, I I almost bought. I almost said, "All right, this is it. I'm going to start. I'm going to join that gentleman's league that's down Ooh, here and start building a squad." And but I was able to resist the temptation of the wolf. And see, look at you. See now, yeah. not me. I just. Uh, I, I looked at those models. I said, no, 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 not. Uh, can't do it. Don't like them. But that's just me. So, but that's given me a time to catch up on my Age of Sigmar stuff, and that's what's important. So let's move on. Let's move on to the toolbox. Brought to you by KSR Superstore. So you've been doing a whole bunch of modeling, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I have. <laughs> ready for Holy Wars. I saw, Holy now, Wars. Now, you're, now you're finding cracked phones to... Do as yes. your, your oh, digital wow, yeah. billboards? Yeah. Is that what I'm seeing? You are seeing that, correct? Nice. That was all just pure serendipity there, man. Um, it was just uh, – I can't believe the phone actually fit in that billboard. Yeah, that's for the Blade Runner table for Infinity. That's uh, for the Infinity Nights at Holy Wars. So I've been working on – that's been consuming a lot of my time painting all that stuff, all that touring, getting it all painted up. And uh, what's really cool is that Offworld News – I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, I'm nope. pretty sure that's the name of them. Um, it's a kind of a Blade Runner fan site, uh, fan like um, blog. Okay. Uh, World News. Let me see if I can find it real quick while we're talking. Uh, they saw my um, they saw the uh, the table. And they reached out to me, and they want me to do once it's all done. They want to do a whole piece on on the actual table, which I thought was really nice. really fun. Yeah, pretty pretty neat that they would see it on Twitter and then be like, "Hey, you know, we wanna we wanna feature this in our next uh, our next uh, e-zine, like e-magazine." That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really great. So um, that that's been the main. Uh, uh, the main the main modeling I've been doing. I mean, I've done a little bit of side projects here and there. Um, I've got a lot of models sitting on the table waiting for paint uh, as soon as this weekend is over. So, um, you know, when I was doing my bases, I was using that the the starter base with some of the her starts molds. Yeah, and then I was making my own bases from those starter bases, and then I was using the smooth on stuff to make those molds. Mm-hmm. And then when I was finished, I put those pictures on Twitter. And I got contacted by nobody, but that's a different story. <laughs> nobody put up mine. I'm just throwing it out there, but that's you know that's the difference between your stuff and my stuff, I guess. But uh, I did it too. So, what was that? I didn't catch that last part. <laughs> I did it. I, I put some <laughs> stuff out there too. I did it. 
Um, yeah, dude, you've been doing a lot. It's crazy. I watch your Twitter feed all the time, and I look at all the stuff you do, and I just keep saying to myself, I'm like, wow, this is insane. Yeah, uh, Chris Yu, uh, he's he's working with me now, and he was at the office and um, part-time. He's working with me part-time. And um, he was at the office, and he was asking me about that. We're, like, getting ready to go into a meeting, and he's like, where do you find the time to hobby? And I look, at, I look across the table at him. I'm like, I have no life, Chris. I just basically am down here every day. You know, family goes upstairs, they go to bed, and I'm just hobbying. So that's how I find are older. Pardon? Your kids are older too. I mean, Chris's yeah, are between they're like I think yeah, Chris's you know? are between like I think five and ten, and mine are between ten and fifteen. And still, I mean, not mine. It's like I'm yeah, we're constantly taking in all this, this, that, and the other, and doing all those other little things, and constantly gotta sure wipe noses and yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's it yeah, but the 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 hobby. Um, it's every it's every it's every minute too, especially around this time of year with Holy Wars. It's just um, you know, there's every every little moment, um, you know, I'm I'm doing something. So it's it, every free every chance I get to do something, um, to do something, um, to do something for the tournament, I'm doing it. You know, it, right. like b- before we before we before we jumped onto the cast, I was I was weathering the uh, the city streets and the the crosswalk for the the surface, the tabletop, the, the surface of the uh, Blade Runner board. So it's just it's just been all that right now. And a lot of it's, you know, a lot of this one has been trial and error um, and experimentation to pull it off because, you know, I'm so used to doing fantasy-related uh, projects, terrain and stuff. That's all my life has been for the last, you know, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years. And now here I am back into the sci-fi genre a little bit. Um, so it, it's, it, it took a while to get my legs back, my sci-fi legs back under me. And, and it's a different, you, different mentality when you're painting and you're and designing a table and what you want it to be. So well, it's looking good, man. Thanks. I found it. It's off world news. There you go. So it's off world news, blogspot.com. Um, so they're, hopefully they're going to, you know, we'll, we'll reconnect with them and maybe get some stuff up there and, and I'll probably work with them and, and do a uh, do some type of write up for them, and then uh, and then uh, we'll plug it, and uh, you guys can read all about how how you know step by step with that project. Cool, very cool. Yeah. So you doing anything for you, like any hobbying for just like for you, and not for tournaments or for tables for other people to play on? Yeah. Like any yeah. Steve hobby? My, the hobby for me has been uh, I've been building. I've got now. I have three Wrath of Kings armies built. Wow! My yeah, my Shellhan are all built and based, so they're ready for they're ready for um for uh, some some a little bit of sand sanding, but they're all ready to go um to get primed. The remaining models for the Hadros are 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 built and uh, ready for priming. And then um I've got I still have two other boxes for that for that game. I have a Nasir and a Technus army that I'm going to be building. I got those for Christmas, so they've been sitting in boxes though since then. But but yeah, so I mean, but when I'm when I'm when I'm in this stage of the year, that's very rare. You know, like I just do it to take a break, like from from the from the uh, Holy War stuff. Interesting. And you're doing Stormcast, right? I am doing Stormcast. I'm on the second. They're, cold looking, of- they're looking fantastic, by the way. Why? They're- thank you. Dude, they they really are. You're doing a good job with them. Well, 
thank that guy Darren or whatever his name is on the videos because I'm just following along with his steps and I'm actually kind of learning stuff though. Like you know, I'm he, he explains it as he goes along. I'm do I'm on the second coat of blue. It's really sad though because it's like I've got 75 of these models to do and I've just got one unit of 33. So it's like almost half the army, but it's like basically just the one model type because it's like the bulk of what I've got. But they're the the liberators, right? Yeah, they're the grunts. So I figured do those first to make sure I know what the heck I'm doing. So if it's gonna get screwed up, screw it up on those guys. So you're gonna are you gonna you're gonna pull them off the bases then? So you're using the bases kind of like as a painting surface, and then you're gonna do something special with the bases on those? Um, probably. That's I think that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I kind of put them on the bases before I had any idea what I was gonna do with them. But right now, I just want to paint the models. Like I'm still just like I said, I just want to get them painted so I can get you know. Mm-hmm. Start, start doing something with them. Um, I've got all the gold basically done, and now I'm doing the blue on it, and I'm going back with that second coat. First coat of blue, getting it all on there, was like slow and tedious and took a long time. Second coat's going on pretty quick, and it's really that second coat making it. It's, it's, now it's all smooth and nice and nothing showing through, and I'm about halfway through that. And it's, So let me ask you a question yeah. about them. Putting them together, are they I, – I have the starter box, but I haven't – Put anything together yet are they conversion worthy do you think what do you mean well you know like i've been kind of trying to figure out what i was going to do you know we did our bloodbound review and then and then i was like okay you know i started to dive deeper into the stormcast book and i think i'm kind of leaning more towards the storm the stormcasts but i kind of want to do some conversions with them and they you know i've seen some some stuff out there where people do some head swaps and some people have maybe swapped or or you know like maybe turned the wrist a little bit on a weapon to give it some variety um are the joints set up in a way like when you were building them could you did you like see yourself being able to say hey you know i could probably swap this out do a shield swap or do something unique did you see any of that while, while you were building them, or were you just totally tunnel visioned on, all right, let me get these things built so I can just get them on the tabletop? Okay, I, I have very little skill in that cate- in that whole realm, okay? So I wasn't really thinking too much about it. Like, you probably could do something with it. I've seen what other people have done with the basic swaps and things like that. Um, I've also seen people really working... Uh, and just, you know, doing that and, you know, to change up arm angles and, and, and things like that, they're, they're, they're kind of involved models, you know what I'm saying? So I look at it and say, I couldn't do it, but I mean, I've also seen the work you've done. You probably could, you know? Yeah. I haven't really dove in. I haven't really dived into them yet to take a close look. Well, I'm going to bring what I've got to, uh, Adepticon, even if I don't play with them. So you could take a look at them there and see what you can see. Yeah. That'd be but, cool. I'd like to see them done. Yeah. Um, are you, uh, so is that your only hobby that you've done so far is working on these guys? Or right did, now, have you gone back to your dwarves yet? Nope. I haven't even built the fire. I'm just, I, cause I, I, you know what? If I start doing that, then I lose my focus completely. Okay. That's, so you're going to stay, you're going to get these guys done. Then you're going to yep. move on to your dwarves. Yep. Dwarden. Sorry. Yes. Yep. That's what I'm going to huh. do. Um, I haven't even rebased my uh, undead because I'm waiting to see exactly how GW is going to put out their the the models, what's going to come out, what they're going to do with their basing and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I painted a bunch of that terrain. Too, um, there's just a few things left on the terrain that I haven't painted. I've painted most of my terrain. There's a few bits and bobs that got to get done, like little bits of flame here and there that I didn't wasn't certain how to paint. I'm sort okay. of learning and looking at little other, you know, tutorials online. So I'm just going to go back and add in the little bits of flame on them and have that stuff done. 
Um, So, but I've got a nice, I've got enough terrain to get a nice, really full table or two slightly sparse tables. You know, that's great. Um, I've got everything done except the uh, the forests. I haven't finished up all the forests yet. Oh, have you put the have you put the leaves on the trees? I, I've one of the forests has leaves completely on, and the other one I've got leaves on some of it. I like it with the leaves on. They actually go on pretty easily and pretty well. Mm-hmm. They look really nice with the leaves on. Did you so? Did you glue the trees to the footprint of the 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 forest the floor, or did you make them removable? Uh they're still removable. They are okay. All right. So, like, when you put them on the table and you play, are you going to say, "Okay, look, you can't move the trees." We've been playing that you got to move around the trees. Good for you guys. They're there. Awesome. That's where they are. You know what I'm yep. saying? That's well, that's one of the things for Holy Wars that we're going to be watching like a hawk um, to make sure people don't move the trees because all the Holy Wars trees, you know, I wasn't going to go back. I, I probably made over 100 and something last year. So I wasn't going to go back and secure them all to the forest the forest footprint because it's storage too, you know? Right. Would exactly. That's part of it. I want to be able to take them off to put it away. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we're going to do is we're, you know, we're going to make sure that everybody, you know, on the day of the event, we're going to tell everybody, look, you can't be picking up trees and moving them around. So, you know, if Archeon can't fit in the forest, guess what? He can't fit in the forest. Right. And I see, I see the, I see the point though. What if I want to move it to move my regular guys and I just want to make sure that they can slide around and move around? Well, guys don't move through guys. So you better just be careful when you're moving your guy. Like that's part of the moving your guys through. Just, you know, Mm -hmm. leave them there. That's how we've been playing it. Right. That's at least how we've been playing it at my house. So, yeah. you know, what do I know? Well, I play good. in the basement. I don't get to too many GTs, so what are you going to do? Um, well, I, we'll remedy that. <laughs> I hope so. New weekends. But so now, you know, I've been painting up the Stormcast, and I've been having fun with this. Like, I enjoy it. I look forward to it. Um, I've been a little bit busy. I mean, you know, you got to juggle things, you know, work and school, and it's it's like these last two weeks have been big cookie sales. Like, I've been dealing with just people coming over and picking up more cookies. I've got like cases and cases here at my house. So hobby slowed down a bit, but I got an interesting uh, response on our, on the garage hammer Facebook page to the last episode from Steve Wren. Mm-hmm. He was talking about stuff going on in the episode and he commented on, uh, I'm just going to read it here and I'm just going to, I'm just going to go through and, and, and answer some of his comments. Uh, second thing he pointed out is David's bizarre fascination with basing as a reason to not appear to do anything with his Duarte. Or is David's bizarre fascination with basing a reason to appear not to do anything with Duarte? No, uh, I'm not doing anything with them because I'm working on the Stormcast. And once again, if I don't focus on one thing, then I focus on nothing. I could build all my Duarte, and then I'm going to just stick them in foam and put them aside and not do anything with them. They'll just be sitting off on the side, not done. Again, so I I may build them at some point if I need a break from painting, but for now, they're just off on the side because I want to focus on one thing at a time. Uh, why on earth is he procrastinating on it so much is just bizarre. Stick them on 32s or 25s. I guarantee you no one will care if you have put in the effort. I have a tree man on 100 millimeter rounds and wanderers on 30 mils. No one has called me out on it. My mutilith is on a 120 rather than the standard oval. I'm not rebasing it for the South Coast GT. I guarantee you will not be removed for being wrong. Um, yeah, you know you know who will care? Me. <laughs> no, and here it is. Okay, you know what? Um, this, this, is, this is my OCD kicking in. I, I have issues. I do. 
I have weird issues with this. Um, I'm not basing a God blessed dwarf until they start releasing some dwarfs on rounds. The fire, the fire uh, dwarden are going on the thirty twos. I am not basing a damn dwarf until they release some on rounds, and I see what size they are because I want them on the size they put them on. Right. I don't really care what anybody else says they can be on. I don't care that GW says it doesn't matter. I don't care what you say. I don't care what your mother says. <laughs> I don't care. I, when, when GW releases them, if I, re, if I rebase them all on 32s and suddenly GW comes out and says, well, dwarfs are a little smaller. They're going to be on 30s. I will go freaking insane that mine are on 32s and theirs are on 30s. Right. And that's me. I know me. I'm the same way, man. I know me, and I know that I will flip out um, if um, I I will flip out if they're not the same because I want them to be on the same size bases. Because here's the other part: I start rebasing these, and then I buy more, and they come on those, and then I gotta buy other bases. No, I just I just want them how they come. That's right. that's just me. And I have no problem. I've got these Stormcast I'm working on. And if they haven't rebased the dwarfs by the time I finish the Stormcast, I've got these Fire Dwarden to work on. And if they haven't rebased the dwarfs by the time I'm done with that, I've got my Undead to rebase. So i got plenty of work to do. It's not a bizarre putting it off. It's that I just want to do it like, I mean, like I said, I, I, maybe I'm just completely unimaginative. You know, maybe, you know, I, like I said, I admit I'm the guy who paints the models like they look on the box because I just don't, I mean, that's just who I am. I just, hey, this looks cool. I like it. I'm doing it like this. So that's, that's kind of what I do. Um, my basing thing is the basing is the one time I ever stepped out of my sort of comfort zone and tried to do something original and creative and do something custom completely on my own. I mean, I've done small custom things, you know. Hand mm-hmm. swaps and head swaps and model things. I started to, to, to stretch a little bit. Um, but the custom bases I did for the dwarfs was the first time I went, I'm doing something. Like, I'm really trying with this. Yeah, and then th- the minute I tried that, then then they took it away from me and said, well, now we're changing it to rounds. And so it was like, wow, the minute I tried something, then everything blew up. So if that doesn't put a scar in your brain and, and, and teach you not to, you know, Oh, it does. It's a so huge thing. It's, it's not so, a, yeah. It's, so I'm holding off, and it's not. Yeah. A, it's not a. It's not a weird reason. It's. I'm not procrastinating. I'm not using it as an excuse. I just. I don't want to do it until I know what they're doing because I'm. That's how I wanted. Right. That's. That's where do I'm at. Do you think our community has something to do with it too? The sense that you know, like one of the things I've noticed with myself is that. You know, overseas, it seems like, you know, they obviously have a much more robust, stronger community than we do here in the States. For AOS, yeah. Yeah. So when you have, you know, right now we have this kind of this this battle between three game systems going on right now. And we're finding friends and people we – peers and, you know, our community is, is fractured, right? So from my my perspective on the whole base thing is I say to myself, okay, well, maybe I want to keep my rats on square so that – if all my friends are going to play Kings of War or Ninth Age, I can easily jump in and play a game with those guys and maybe go hang out for a weekend, right? And then, you know, have my, have my rounds and, and for, for AOS and other stuff. So it, that it's a big endeavor to rebase an entire army um, 
especially when you if you do stuff like what you were doing with your with your dwarves where you were making custom bases and you invest a lot of time and energy into that i mean for me personally that's absolutely not an issue whatsoever okay okay Um, see it is for me well and here's here's why though for me i have a ton of mantic the skeleton stuff Okay. So, like, if I so reface, you don't have to worry about it. You if I reface my GW skeletons, I've got the Mantic skeletons that I've never painted. And honestly, if I'm going to do that, it's going to be white dip, and then it's going to be white paint dip for that, and then um, just paint up the armor for them because I'm just going to do it quick, sure. just okay. for painting. Um, I have so many zombies in boxes from the TC War Room that I haven't figured out. Uh, I still have to talk to Wayne and figure out what we're going to do because I'm not building a 1,000 zombies because there's nothing I could use a 1,000 zombies for. But (laughs) I've got 200 on squares, and they're staying on squares because the next ones I build are going on rounds. So you'll just use them legacy? Well, yeah. No, No, I'll use use them for Kings of War. And the rounds, I'm basically my zombies, when I make zombies on rounds for Age of Sigmar, I'm making new ones because I have... You know, 800 in boxes here. Why not just make new ones? Right. Um, the other stuff I'll get rebased, and that'll be fine. Um, and then if I really, if 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 it comes to it with Kings of War, um, I I backed them on enough Kickstarters where I finally got my uh, the Abyssal Army. Oh, okay. And those demons, they're pretty sharp. I kind of like them. So if it ever came to that, I'll just spend a weekend building that up, give it some red, give it a quick dip, give it some highlights, and get that three-color ready to play. Yeah. They don't do a lot of uh, – they don't have a lot of painting requirements. They're, you know, that's – Right. You yeah. know, Kings of War and Infinity, are, are they're, not a, they're, not a, they're not a paint sports battle game. They're mostly a battle game with some paint stuff on the side. So right. I can crank out 1,000 points of that in a weekend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, for, for me, real. it's not an issue. For me, it's just I just don't want to rebase stuff until I know the size GW is putting them on, and I yeah. know it doesn't matter. And I know as long as you're close to it, it doesn't matter. I just want it to be right, and that's my OCD. That's exactly what it is. That's all it is, and I don't care that everybody knows it. If I put it on a base that's different than the one it comes in in the box, eventually I'm going to tear it off and put it on the ones it comes in in the box anyway, because that's who I am. So. I'm not doing it until I find out what comes in the box. I'm not. I'm already rebasing it once. I'm sure as hell not rebasing it twice for no for no good reason. Right. So, you know what? We haven't had a break in like 45 minutes. Let's take a break, finish up the toolbox, and then just jump right into our topic. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there. As well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night war machine and Thursday board game night to Friday night magic, 
There's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. That doesn't rhyme or make any sense. Who cares? Let's just go on with it then, I suppose. Um, so, uh, back with the finishing off the toolbox here. Um, oh, so I um, I did get some cool suggestions from Steve Ren, though, talking about uh, if I wanted to do the lava bases, say for the Stormcast. Um, I could do the lava bases. I'm obviously going to do this for the for the fire dwarden. He says you can do lava bases uh, with a little sand or break apart some of the custom bases you have and put some of those into the lava, and that'll tie them in. Yeah. You know, you can break apart the custom stuff, put it in the lava, and have the lava sort of eating it up, and yep. that'll do. Uh, he says he has very mixed basing on his chaos army, and it just it, it still works. By using a color scheme... And having some of the same materials in different ways, you can tie it all in while still keeping the character of different different factions, which I think is a kind of a cool idea. Definitely. Um, so Definitely. I, I did like that. Um, yeah. Hey, for the lava bases, um, I saw this guy. Uh, it was a guy on one of the Age of Sigmar Facebook uh, groups. Did, I, you may have seen it. Did you see how he used the cracked earth and what he did for his lava bases? Uh, where he painted, no. he painted, so he took the surface, he took the base, and he airbrushed the, the 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 kind of the lava colors on the surface of the base with nothing on it, just the base right out of the box. Okay. Okay. So so he airbrushes the yellows and the orange, and he gets his pattern going. And he and then what he does is he applies the cracked earth over it. So then when the cracked earth cracks, you've got the lava underneath already painted yeah that's how they show you to do it in the video on the gw uh, oh no kidding oh yeah. wow all right so he's not a genius <laughs> <laughs> i thought he was a genius i'm like dude that's awesome all right cool all right well kudos to gw then yeah that's what they that's how they show you to do it and then it crashed awesome. i know that's dan awesome. healan said he was trying it but then he had to go back and he added in a little more along the edges just to get it do it you know, to get it a little bit more but yeah they said you could randomly put in the colors on the base just go with that and then when it cracks you'll just yeah. have these random bright colors of the lava showing right. up from underneath i thought it would be really cool for any zinch army you you do that and you have like you do the zinch colors as if like the magic of zinch is up underneath and it's kind of like permeating its way through the earth oh that could totally work that could be cool yeah, something different. Instead of the yeah. bright, instead of the bright yellow, orange, white, yeah. you have like yep. the purples and pinks shining through. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then the other thing you could do for that is you could do it with uh, your stormcast, dude. Like the lightning has come down and hit the earth, and the lightning is going in through the earth. So you could do it like in the blues, the shades of blue, so it looks like electric blue. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. If you're really good, you can do OSL from the light coming up through the cracks yeah. on your models. But yeah, absolutely. It, that's if you're good. See, I, yeah, so you could do I that. Would, yeah, a little airbrush. I could, could do, do that. that. Yeah, a little airbrush. You, a little, yeah, yeah. You, you know me. You could. You could. <laughs> we'll get so you there. That's uh, 
yeah, that's that's about it for my hobby and stuff. But I am coming along with them, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. Just sort of following along with the video, and I'm picking up stuff here and there. And I haven't posted anything in about a week, but that's because, like I said, I've I've been selling cookies and grading papers. But I'll be back on it so, soon enough, just getting that blue done. And then the next step I'm excited for, because the next step I actually looked ahead, and he like names like five colors. He's like, put the black in here and put the purple here and put this, that, that. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to boot like three. <laughs> I'm going to get a bunch of stuff done. That's where it's really going to start to come together. Because mm-hmm. even now, just with the gold and the blue, I'm like, man, it's starting to look good. Like, they're looking good. Yeah, they look good, dude. They look really good. I'm excited. Keep going. All right. What so, about what about gaming, man? Have you done any gaming? Yeah, I play Puzzles and Dragons on my iPad when I'm supposed to be teaching. But other than that, really, <laughs> hopefully nobody's listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, no. Actually, when I'm supposed to be grading papers, it's like, ugh, I gotta take a break. I got another kid who just got like a zero because they're not reading the book. So I'm gonna take yeah. a break now and run a dungeon. But no, it's been like ten days, and literally, it's been I've been selling cookies and grading papers. So. I've done no gaming, not video gaming, not anything, like nothing, not even a board game, like nothing. So, Oh, I played a board game last weekend. I played Lord of the Rings Risk and got my butt handed to me. (laughs) So I got toasted really fast. It was was two on one. So One does not simply roll sixes and take over Mordor. Oh, my gosh, dude. It was brutal. Just couldn't roll anything. Even when I was attacking, it was just brutal. My, you know... I'd roll three dice and I'd be rolling one, two, three, and maybe rolling fours and fives. It's like, oh gosh, really? Come on. So yeah, so that that that, that was my gaming. I haven't done anything with uh, Xbox or anything like that. I still have to. I'm two. Le- I'm two. I'm only two levels or three levels away from getting all the weapons in Star Wars Battlefront. I'm such a pathetic video gamer. Oh, I, nice. I just can't do it anymore, dude. I don't my, play them. Oh, it's brutal. It's I embarrassing. I watch Harrison play. He does well. I say, yeah. that's, that's awesome, son. You're great. I'm just going to yeah. sit here and keep painting. I paint. He plays. He says, look, when he's doing something cool. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yep. Other than that, you got any other? My others would be I am currently reading Game of Thrones book five, uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Okay. Um. So I'm trying to power my way through those and get that finally done so I can say, hey, I read it all and be done with that. There you go. And so that's about it. I have not done the new Butcher one. That's on my that's on my on deck. That's and then uh TV wise, show wise, Walking Dead started up again. So I'm back on on board with that. And I am disappointed in the X Files, sad to say. Oh, uh, we'll then, just we'll just agree to disagree on that. Okay, uh, and then the last thing was uh, Better Call Saul has been excellent. Two episodes in, it's been excellent. Yep. Last last night's was phenomenally yep. good. It's, it's really really good. Yeah, no, um, I've been sort of as I've been grading papers and stuff, been trying to clear out the DVR because, man, all of a sudden in the last two weeks it's filling up like a couple hours a day. So it's like oh, yeah. grading, uh, catching up on Arrow, Flash, X Files, Castle, Better Call Saul, Walking Dead. The first two episodes of the break coming back have been great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was yeah, I was like, woof, really good. Um, Deadpool was great. Went to go see Deadpool. I haven't seen it yet. I'm excited about it. I haven't seen, seen it a couple yet. of times. Ah. Liked it a lot. Getting yeah. pissed off every time I go. Every time I go see this damn movie, some parents bringing their ten year old to go see it. Yeah, like, someone needs a beating. Like, what's wrong with people? People are stupid. Yeah, I'll say. 
You yeah. need a hey, license to your, drive a car. You need a license to, you know, own a gun. You need a license to go fishing. Apparently, you don't need a license to take to raise your kid because you got to be dumb as hell to take a kid to go see this movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, you I know. would be so uncomfortable sitting next to my 15 year old, much less at my 10 year old or a seven year old. Right. Oh, yeah. so inappropriate. Uh, well, as we get older, we realize there's more stupid people in the world than we thought. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 There really are. So. <laughs> uh, but that's yeah, that's it for me too. Just been sort of doing that stuff, catching up on the DVR while I've been grading papers. So. All right. Um, why don't we move on to our main topic, and and get that going? Just jump right in since uh, we finished this stuff up. Let's talk some hobby. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, let's start big and then uh, and then bring our focus in tight. Um, let's talk tables. Okay. Let's. Uh, I have a lot of experience with that. Yes, you do. Yeah. Now, um, I'm gonna start. And I'm going to start because mine is going to go way quicker, and okay. uh, mine is on the cheap end. Um, if you are a person who doesn't own a gaming table, you can do what I did. I went over to Home Depot, and I bought one of those like uh, six-foot-by-three-foot fold-up little tables that fold in half, and it's got a little handle, and you can unfold it. And then I went over to the pink polystyrene foam section, uh, and I bought... Uh, the eight, but the eight foot by four foot foam. Yep. And I bought two of the two inch pieces, and then I came home and uh, cut off two feet off the end, so I had six foot pieces, and I actually uh, put them together, so I had one th- really thick piece so that it wouldn't bend or give or crack. So you didn't buy the the thicker one, the three inches. Uh, I just I I originally just bought two two inches so I could have two set up set up okay. two tables yeah um, right. and eventually they seemed a little thin so i just kind of put them together um and that's about it that was what i had i bought uh i have two things that i hated one i went out and for one i bought a, just a, a mat a six foot by four foot roll up uh grass mat you know mm-hmm. uh and you can put terrain on that um for one of them i actually went and just went wonky i was with my wife over at uh we were at uh Michael's, no, Joanne Fabrics. She was buying fabric to do something. I forget what. And then I saw this green fabric, and it was like in the in the clearance bin. And I bought, uh, I think they had a piece, and it was like five feet wide, and I bought about eight feet of it. I draped it over the whole thing. And then uh, my wife's got, she does craft. She does like uh, scrapbooking and stuff, so... I said, you got any of those little metal rings? She goes, oh, like the little brads, you know, like you could go and stick on, to, and you know, to make little rings to put scrapbook pages and stuff together. I said, yeah. And she said, yeah. And I went around the edge, and I, every so often I put a little metal ring in there. Mm-hmm. And then I just went out and got twine. I put the whole thing around the board, around the, the foam, and I just ran it around through the, through the little metal rings I put in. Yeah. I just ran it sort of back and forth like I was lacing up shoes. Oh, wow. I just tied it along the bottom, and then if it ever came loose, it wound up costing me, it was like, you know what, 12 cents worth of twine out of my garage, and then I, I think the, the, the fabric piece, it was in the, it was in the, the it was green, and it was in the, uh, in the bin, it, I think it wound up costing me like $4, so I had a green-covered table for, you know, with a piece of foam in that, you know, it was like 20 bucks. Super cheap table, throw on some terrain, 
Um, they don't look great. They're not beautiful, but they're a green, solid piece of you know cloth, felt, whatever that right. that you can move your stuff on. Uh, they're dirt cheap. They're not beautiful. They're not something you'd be like, oh look, this is a tournament table, but it's enough to put your you know GW terrain on or whatever terrain you're using on and and play your game on, and that's pretty much what I have in my basement because it's in my flipping basement. Like it's just for me. It, honestly, it was me and Harrison and Christopher on those tables for like you know two years. So not that anyone you know no one was complaining. We had a table to play on. Worst came to worst, if I couldn't find the Rolo mat because Harrison had put it away in the wrong place, we played on the pink foam without a Rolo mat. We put the train on that. Nobody worried, you know? Right. But so, but now you do tables, and you're just like, oh, hey, we've got this table, <laughs> that table. I've go. I've been contacted by the Blade Runner Association because I made a Blade Runner table, and they want to focus on it in their next. Uh, they want to use on, it for man. the design in their next <laughs> movie and stuff. So. So how do you, where do you even start? Like, I mean, these things are so permanent. Like, I don't know that I could come up with an idea for this and be like, okay, I'm going to do this. Well, they're all, they, well, okay. So I started out just like you did. I mean, when, when I first got into this thing, I did the exact same thing. Um, then what happened was it became a a question of durability and, um, so what I wound up doing was I wound up going and, building the tables out of MDF as an MDF. Um, now I have the same thing in my basement. So I've got the, the, you know, the three foot by six foot fold up tables and I use those as the base, um, in my basement. And then I put a piece of four foot by six foot, um, MDF on top of it. Uh, okay. and those are half inch. They serve as the base for my table. Um, and then I put my tables on top of that. Um, now, my tables, the the tables that I built for Holy Wars, are an evolution of, you know, they're 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 the current stage of where I'm at in table building. Okay, and those are they're each uh, they're three panels, they're two foot by three foot, and they're pinned with dowel rods so that they stay together so they're not sliding around. Okay, does that make sense? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, um. So the but the way it started, the genesis of that was with using um, only using eighth inch MDF board that I would put on top of the table, and they would shift, they would slide around. But as long as you were careful, you didn't have to worry about it too much, right? So my Tomb King table, my Bretonian table, and my Warriors of Chaos tables are on the quarter inch MDF board, and um, what I found was that, you know, they, they, they hold up better to the rigors of gameplay. So, um, and they're also stackable and they break down. So it's not one big, huge four foot by six foot piece. It's these smaller two foot by four foot pieces. So I can just, in my storage room in the basement, I stack all 15, you know, all the sections I have for 15 tables at Holy Wars. So what is that? Fifteen times three. So that's uh, what is that? Forty. Uh, yeah, forty. Forty-five sections. They're stacked up on sawhorses in my in my studio. Stacked up right on top of each other. So they don't take up a lot of space, right? Huh. And then, um, so they act. They're, they're, they're durable, um, and they they don't take up a lot of space. Now, what I did for the three tables that I had, the the Warriors of Chaos table. The Bretonian table and the Tomb Kings table. The reason why I built three was because we our club was playing out of our out of my basement, so I had three of them, and I chose to do 
the Bretonian table, which was basically just a field of grass, right? And it has some rocks built into it, uh, some little foam rocks, pink foam, high-density foam just glued to it. And then so basically it was just flocked with with grass. And then um, for the Tomb Kings, it was easy because it was just desert, so it's just sand. Um, and then for the Warriors of Chaos table, I did a combination of – that one was a little bit more complex. It, it had a combination of snow and grass and that kind of thing. Um, I feel like I'm rambling, Dave. So if you want to shut me no, up, no, dude, I'm, I'm listening. I'm that's I'm I'm fascinated. Honestly, okay. So okay. So the process, like when I'm when I'm when I'm first creating a table. So we fast forward to last year, right? So I had to build I had to build twelve tables for Holy Wars last year, and I knew going into it that what we wanted to do was we wanted to have MDF tables. And that's where, uh, one of the Lords of war, Patrick, uh, Brindlinson, I can never say Pat's last name. Um, Brindlinson, um, he gave us the suggestion of doing the pinning to prevent the boards from sliding. So that's when I said, okay, look, we're going to do these half inch. I'm going to make them half inch thick and I'm going to pin them with these dowel rods. And then that way it'll hold them. And sure enough, it worked and it worked great. And so the, the half inch is a, is much heavier than the quarter inch MDF. You know, you can pick up all three panels of the quarter inch uh, MDF and walk them around your basement pretty easily. The half inch is, you know, isn't isn't that light. It's actually kind of heavy when you put all three of them together, and then you have the weight of the sand and the glue on top of that. It it, it only increases the weight. So. They're not necessarily practical for a tournament, but for in your house and in the in your basement, they're they're very practical because they're very durable. So um, the first step that's involved with when when I'm planning on a table is to say, okay, well, what what kind of what am I what am I going for? What's my theme? Is it going to be in a forest? Is it going to be a city? Is it going to be a uh, maybe just an, a village on the outskirts? Is it going to be um, you know, an underground Dwarden type or, or Skaven-esque type mine situation underground? Is it going to be a desert? Right. Um, you know, the easiest thing to do is desert, it, w- without a doubt. It's the easiest thing to do because all it is is you're slapping down, you're slapping down um, the glue on the, um, on the table surface and then you're, you're, you're spreading the sand. And then, you know, you, you give that time to dry. Then you're going to go back over it with watered down um, uh, PVA to seal it all up. And then you're just painting it. And you and then you're done. You call it done. It gets more complicated when you get into using – when you decide that you want to do something that's going to have lots of flock or different textures. Um, like the probably the most complicated um, board to do was the – I would say it was probably the – dark elf table um and that's the table that is the winter theme uh kind of frozen tundra table um when you start when you when you start adding the layers of complexity with like develop like row if you're adding roads to it or you're adding the tundra you have to you have to plan things out a little bit more right see and this is where i this is where i because like you know, you got to plan not only plan it out, but I'm like this. This becomes really sort of permanent. You're going to be playing on this table all the time. You're not going to get a lot of changes in there. So this is right. This is this is the this is where I want to really kind of see where your thought processes go. Okay. So, so the what what happened with with the I'm looking at my pictures at Holy Wars 
to to kind of guide me in the conversation. So what 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 happens with the when you have a table like uh, let's say the Empire table, which has two, which has a which has a road, you have to draw that out first on the board before you do anything, and you have to plan out where that road's going to be. You have to plan out kind of where you want your terrain to go because you know you're not gonna you're not gonna have the flexibility per se on that table to move things around. Like you you can move. You can move buildings around the road, but you have a road that's going to be going through your board. So you better make sure that's what you want to do. And typically what I'll do when, when I'm when I'm laying out a table is I'll actually get out like my old school movement trays and because these were designed with obviously eighth edition in mind. And so then I would take a look at how the movement trays would would fit on the board before I actually do anything permanently. Like if I had if I had built rocks into the board surface or if I have um, let's say like uh, a sh- like a stream of Nurgle ooze running through the tabletop surface. Okay, you kind of have to if if that's going if that terrain is going to interact with the models, you should keep in mind. Okay, do I want this to go down the main air battle area on the table where it's going to have a cause and effect in gameplay? If that's if that's how you play your game, you know if your club plays that way where terrain is a big part of your club and in your gameplay uh, on a club date, then that's great and it makes a heck of a lot of sense. But if you're looking for something more generic where you want to be able to have the flexibility to move things around, then you don't have to invest the time in planning where everything goes. You can just say, okay, I'm going to just do a straight field and I'm going to have the field have random dirt patches on it and... um, and it's a lot more freeing. So starting out that way first is the way to go and then work your way up to something that's more complex. So you start out with learning your techniques on a board which is just basically a grass field. And um, and you, you don't have to worry about the idea of mapping things out first. I'll typically map stuff out on an 11 by 17 sheet of grid paper. So I get an idea of where I want things to go. And then I take a. I also do the same thing with my terrain. So, like you were mentioning earlier in the show, that you had terrain that you were painting up. So, you know, if you've got three realm gates, and you have an idea of how you would want those, if those realm gates were going inter- to be integral to your board design, you'd want to map that out first, and then see if you, if you know, if you want to have a permanent river, you can you can design a permanent river so that it's it's in this one section but you want to maybe leave yourself enough space in that area of the board where you could swap out a realm gate for something else. Does that make okay. sense? Right, right. So the the grid paper is, is always a good starting point when you're when you're mapping things out or when you're building a custom piece of terrain. It's always a good way to get an idea of size, it's a good way to get an idea of um of of placement um and then, then, it, then when, it, when it comes down to saying, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go ahead and start making this table, what you have to do then is you have to, you have to take a look at what, what are you looking what are you, what are you, what are you looking to achieve? Are you trying to create a table that is with deep foliage like the, like the old world Lustria jungle tables where you're going to have um, – it's not just going to be bright green flock. You're going to use um, Scenic Express's boggy – bottom forest floor flock and like when you're when you're planning that out you're going to have to have a good base underneath that because that that flock is very thick and chunky so what you're going to need underneath that because you'd see through it you're going to have to 
you're going to have to have a good solid grass green flock coverage or you're going to see through to the you know the, you're not going to get a good bond between but the boggy bottom i know i'm talking weird no i know what you're, I, it, I, no, <laughs> the, i'm, I'm the, getting the, it i know what you're talking about the, i understand the spongy you. yeah that spongy scenic express stuff is thicker right so you need something good for it to bond to and um when you when you lay that down um so you, so you have to plan around that as well. Like, okay, well, what kind of flock am I going to use? Am I going to be using dead grass? Am I going to be using de- uh, just dead earth? Am I going to be using grass green? All of that goes into your planning stage when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with a table in the beginning. Um, the biggest thing that I've seen, the best piece of advice I can give somebody when they're designing a table, and this is a common question that comes up to me. Like you'll notice at a lot of some tournaments – um, or some tables, excuse me. Um, they'll have like islands of grass. You ever noticed that before? Like you've seen some tables where they have like this, they'll have like a, like an oval and it's a grassy patch, right? And then okay. it's brown. And then you've got another grassy patch. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Yeah, I do yeah. actually. So the way, here's how you avoid that. When you're, when you're putting your, if you want to get good coverage, the best thing you do is you take a big, like four to five inch paintbrush. All right, you dip that in your glue and you just start smashing it randomly all over the table, leaving gaps. And then when you throw your flock down on top of that and you blow away the access, you're going to get this wonderful natural feel and flow to the grass. And then you'll see patches of dirt. It won't look like a herd of cows came through there and ate everything up. Okay. <laughs> y- you follow? Yeah. No, I get yeah. you. And then like – the best thing you can do, the best thing you can do from there is be completely random with it because then it creates a feeling of, 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 of something that's natural that would happen in the real world. Like it doesn't, grass doesn't grow like that in perfect, you know, per- perfect ovals or kidney shapes and stuff. And then it's always a blend too. That's the other question I get most commonly. And, and that's the other thing when it comes into the planning. It's a blending of, the, of, of, of maybe two or three different flocks. Okay. okay. It's not just one. So if you, you know, the, the, if you want the most natural look to your tabletop, what you're going to want to do is you want to, when you lay that, when you lay your glue down and you start putting your flock on, you're, you're mixing between two. So you got left hand, right hand, and you're, you're kind of mixing them at the same time and, and, and letting it fall naturally, probably about 12 inches from the surface. Um, and you just, you just kind of let it all fall naturally and let it sit down into the glue and dry before you blow it all off. And then, um, and then you'll see this wonderful blend between light and dark grass. I feel like I'm rambling again, dude. No, no. In fact, I'm, I'm liking this because I never thought about mixing up the different grass colors. And in fact, when you're mentioning it, I was thinking about you saying how grass doesn't go that way naturally. And I'm thinking about all the different when I'm doing bases because you only got a small area to work with on bases. Right. So I'd sit there and I'd put glue on. So at all of my bases, it's just these little patchy sections of grass. Everyone's walking over. There's some sand and some mm-hmm. some rock and it's all painted up. And then it's literally just walking over grass tufts mm-hmm. that you kind of put on there, you know. Right. It's like everything's, it, but it's almost like you said, it's like a field and it's like, it's not so much where cows have gone and eaten all the grass, but this right. is like, it's like, it's, it, that's where they've pooped and the grass right. has grown really right. thick right there. You have a big tuft of grass growing right there. 
mm-hmm. and everything else is, and especially with my undead because I used all that dead grass. Mm-hmm. So it's like big tufts of dead grass, which make even less sense. So I understand what you're saying. Uh, okay. I never thought to go with the multiple colors. Oh, excuse me. Give me one second. Oh, my goodness. Oh. So sorry about that. Um, so the other question is, um, are there parts where you allow maybe one type of the grass to go a little thicker than the other just oh, to yeah, get absolutely. that variety? So maybe you got more of the light green here and then a mix here and then some dark green over there. Where, so that way that that mix is even is even a little more pronounced? Yes, for sure. For sure. In fact, after that first coat dries, usually what I'll do is I, I take a look at it. And if I feel like it's an unnatural in any type, I'll go back and hit it again. Now, the this is something that a lot of people don't don't do, but I do it on everything. Is after I I've got all the flock down in the way that I like it. So like let's say I lay down my, let's say like for the vampire counts table, um I used three different flocks on that table. Okay, and I used like a dead grass, a green grass, and then I used a um a darker kind of a um, forest grass on it, and what I did was. Um, for that table, when I went back and I looked at it after I laid down the first two, I went back and then I hit some areas. I hit areas again, okay, with the areas that I wanted to have maybe just a little bit more vibrancy uh, with the flock. So I, I or maybe more that that deeper green, and I hit it in those areas. And then if I have any areas where like I have like an an unusual like let's say when I was smashing that paintbrush down as I was spreading the glue. I got a weird pattern that looked that looked too mechanical. I'll go back and I'll and I'll cover those areas up. Now, once everything's dry, I actually seal the flock with watered down PVA. So, what do you like? Just take some of that and put it in like a spray bottle? No, I actually take the I take it with and use it with a paintbrush, and I'm basically dabbing it on there and let the I let that surface flock absorb the PVA. That and that's how it doesn't come off. That doesn't pull up a lot of it when you're doing that? No, not if you let it dry, okay? Now, if you go at it too early, you might pull up some of it, okay? But every single table I've done, everything you've seen on the blog, every single thing you've seen on my blog, everything that you've seen on Twitter, all of that stuff's done the exact same way. And it's, a, it's basically the PVA watered down to a point where it's a little bit thicker than milk. It's almost like... Uh, like half and half, okay? Okay. And and what you're doing is you just take your paintbrush, you take a paintbrush out, you let a lot of the excess kind of drop off, and then you're just kind of like dabbing it onto the board. It takes a long time, but the end result is great, okay? Because it, it's tedious because you're you're dabbing it on, and, and you're like, oh my gosh, I got four foot by, you know, four foot by six foot board I got to do this with. But it, it the results, you know, speak for themselves. Um, very durable surface, um, and it's completely sealed. And then that way, you know, you can hold up to the rigors of gameplay. Because that was one of the things. That's one of the questions I got asked a lot last year after the event was, "How come, you know, Steve, I'm touching these tables and I'm trying to rub the flock off?" And I'm like, "What are you trying to rub the flock off for, dude?" Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, I said, well, I'm glad I sealed it with about? the PVA. And they're like, oh, oh, PVA. All right. You know, because people were wondering how that, how it all stayed on there so well. And that's, that's how. <laughs> I'm okay. trying to rub off the flock. Hey, jerk store. Yeah, right. <laughs> what are you thinking about? Like, seriously. Right. What's that? 
then the other question I got was, um, you know, a lot of people ask me about it's the, when you're doing snow. Okay. So how do you, how do you, how do you do that? And snow's kind of the, the winter theme tables. I feel if you're planning to do a winter theme table, okay, you got to be all in. All right. All right. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you're, you've got to have supporting terrain that, that matches well, right? You got to have snow on it. You got to be willing to put snow, create those snow effects, not only on the trees, but any buildings, any rock formations you have. It, it's, uh, it's a, it's kind of like one of those things where you're, it's very nerve wracking to sit there and get to the point where you, you've got your whole surface laid out and you think, okay, yeah, this looks great. And then now here I am, I have to either, how do I, how do I do that? You know, how do I, how do I make, take that next step? And what a lot of people will do is they'll use white flock. Okay. Um, for snow, the snow flock, you know what I'm talking right, about, yeah, right? The woodland exactly. scenic stuff. Yep. I don't do that. Um, so the dark use? elf table, you know, the dark elf table at Holy Wars. Right. Okay, all the snow, it's white paint. Dry brushed over the dead grass flock. Really? Yep. So you just took white paint and dry brushed it over the, and it just, oh, okay. All of that. So if you're looking at the, if you look at any of those photos of that, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, Nickel was over over here at the headquarters. Uh, we were playing um, on that table. And he was just asking me, he's like, Steve, how did you do that? And I'm like, well, it's, he's like, you know, this looks, you know, it looks great. And I can never get my flack to, to, to do this. It just looks so perfect. I'm like, Hey man, it's just dry brushing it and it's just paint. And then he got down close at the table and he's like, Holy cow, it is. And, and that's what it is. And so it's much more durable. Um, it looks much more natural. It looks much better than, than, than that, the, the flock, the snow flock. Um, and, uh, you know, the proof is in, in, in the final product. Um, and, and that's always a tough step that, that, that step to say, okay, I'm going to paint over everything you just did, um, yeah. to create that effect. You know, that's more of a higher level, um, more experienced, I guess, um, um, painter, right. To do something like that. Exactly. So like the, um, that, that table itself, like when, I, when we did the, uh, when I did the hills, when I did the um, when when the team we when we discussed what we were going to do for Hag Hall, painting you know knowing that we were going to do a snow a snow theme there and wanting to have it all kind of work together, it's a it's a it's a, it's a it's something you have to think about and then you have to you have to have the guts to go there with it, and that's not that's definitely not an easy thing to do to bring yourself to say okay I'm going to throw white paint over all the work I just did and I'm going to start dry brushing this thing to make to pull this thing off. It can be it can be quite intimidating, but the results the res, the end results once you get there once you get to that point it it it's gonna it it speaks for itself. So and and I'm shooting you a picture of that table so you can understand what I'm saying with the dry brushing and stuff. Cool. Um, the all of that you know maybe you can put that pic in the show notes because that's a good example of how on that table you get this natural feel of like the the, the snow blowing across the table and it's done the it, it the only flock that was used on that table was dead or uh, the dead grass flock um, and then it was all dry brushed from there. And so, um, so that's, that, that's, that's one of those times where you say, okay, well, you know, will this, will this, 
you know, where will I, where, where do I go next is, is, you know, when you, when you paint something like that, then you say to yourself, okay, well, you know, how can I up the game some more? And that's when you start getting into doing things with water effects. And, and then you start doing stuff where you're integrating more of your terrain into your tabletop itself, where maybe you're starting to create textures on the surface instead of just slapping down sand, you're actually creating more waves and, and maybe, uh, uh, the surface waves within the sand and how to do and and then you 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 have to plan out how you're going to do that as well and that's that's all done using pva i know i'm starting to this sounds terrible this has got to be terrible radio no no i'm just kind of like free forming here um i'm interested that's why i'm listening um uh, no this is good stuff listen we're gonna take a break and when we come back i've got a question and the question is going to be um permanent built into the actual table terrain features yep yay or nay that's the question when we come back we'll be right back Folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com and seriously guys, you'll be glad you did. Okay, we're back. And as I said right before the break, uh, Steve. So, you know the uh, Realm of Battleboards, the ones GW sells? Mm-hmm. They have like built in hills and stuff like that, built in terrain yep. uh, pieces. Uh, yay or nay? What do you think about that type of thing? Well, I have two boards that are have built that I built in terrain for, and I'm going to be replacing them. <laughs> so I guess I'm a nay. Um, it, it's too permanent for me. Um, I, I kind of I don't I don't necessarily I'm not against the undulating hills concept, like where where maybe like you know you have a little bit of height over on one side of the table, maybe it's three inches higher than, and then it kind of rolls down. Um, the tables that I built have um, uh, the Warriors of Chaos table has three lakes that are set up. Okay. Um, and 
I, I, that was one of my early tables. So I'm not so sure that I, des- I didn't design it very well. So those integrated lakes kind of like, if you're not using them, it feels, it just feels kind of lame when, you know, from a cinematic point of view. Um, and the other table where I have integrated terrain is on the Bretonian table. And that has all kinds of rocks jetting out. Um, and it, it, it can make for, um, difficult for storage because then the rocks get damaged and you're constantly having to repair them, you know, because you, if you're laying these things flat on top of each other, they're going to get damaged and, or leaning up against a wall, they're going to get damaged. Um, I, in my mind, I have these great ideas of, of building tables that do have multi layers with them, but then storage becomes a problem. You know, if you have unlimited storage, then fine. Yeah, go for it. Um, I find myself leaning more towards creating that flat surface and then creating more modular terrain so that I have ultimate flexibility. See, that's, that's, that's kind of my thought is that, uh, once you put in even those hills, it's like, well, now that now you have to have hills and does, does, is that your terrain? Does that where that counts? You know, is that what it counts as it has to be? You know, even with the GW ones, okay, well, it's off in the corners on a couple of them. So depending on how you put it together, well, you could move. Now you have a hill that you could flip them around and put a hill kind of off center or you could put a hill in the corner. But it just seems, I mean, it doesn't look bad. It's just like it's forcing me to have this bit of terrain, though, in this place, though, you know. Right, right. I, you know, I'd the, rather just put my own down. Right. And, and I have to admit. I'm kind of wavering a little bit on the idea of replacing the, those two tables. Now that I'm now that we're playing age of Sigmar, you know, age of Sigmar, the models lend the game itself lends itself to having those integrated pieces of terrain. Cause your individual models can move over it. You know, on eighth ed, when you were playing with movement trays, it was always kind of a pain for us to navigate over those elements that I had designed into the table. Oh, okay. Um, the most complaints we got last year at Holy Wars on the table when it came to um, their existing units was on the Bretonian table. That was the most because um, it, players were like, "Okay, well, how do I? How do you? How do you want us to rule on this rock? You know, I can't move my army around that. You know, and so Age of Sigmar is kind of taking care of that. Um, but I like having flexibility, David. I think it's I think it's the way to go. Right, I agree. So. Let's move on to terrain then. Let's talk a little bit about terrain. Yeah. Um, it, okay, so if we're not going with, with these permanent stuff on the table, so uh, then what do you like to do with, with for your terrain? What do you like to do? Like everyone who listens to the show knows I've just got a bunch of GW terrain. I like their terrain. Huh? I like the themes. I like the ideas. I own a bunch of it. I've been buying the new terrain, um, and that's what I put down on the table, but not everybody mm-hmm has that some people like to be creative and build their own stuff what do you like to do for terrain i like to use both um i like to build my own um and i like to uh, use the gw stuff um i i think gw makes fantastic terrain um and there's you know there's there's no reason not to use it um i try to enhance it um and what i mean by that is um i try to build terrain that can be integrated with gw terrain so some people might be familiar with my rats and hats um the skaven army um and my display board that i brought to bits last year it had the skull vein mance and the dreadstone no 
yes, Dreadstone Blight. Yeah, that's the ruined one, right? Right. Dreadstone Blight. I always get those confused. Um, So I I have those integrated into what I call the Celestial College. And I built up a a base for the Dreadstone Blight so that it was at the same height as the the walking bridge for the Skullvane Mance. So you could walk across from the Skullvane Mance onto the Dreadstone Blight. And, um, I like to do that with my terrain. I think it adds, it adds to the, to the, uh, to the look on my table. It creates a sense of, uh, of more drama and cinema, cinema for me. Um, and I've done that also with the garden of more, I've integrated the garden of more with a, with a co- completely custom built piece that we call, um, uh, the sage. Well, it's from the old world, the sage ruin. Which is a it's a and it's a um, it's a kind of a piece that sits on a larger f- footprint for the Garden of Moor that was made out of MDF. So I, I like to do both, man. Uh, I think and you, but you can't go wrong using the GW stuff. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I I do really like it, and it just it's easier. It's um, lightweight. That's the other thing that that's wonderful about it is it's plastic, and it's really good. You know, some of the I have a the Skaven tables all made from Hearst Arts molds uh, stuff from one of our sponsors, Castle Kits. Right, beautiful stuff, love it, uh, but it's just really heavy. You know, and yeah, the Hearst Arts stuff is cool, but it is you're making it out of like dental stone and stuff, so it, it's like it's, yeah, it's, it's it's stone. It weighs a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, for me, it's just I've made some terrain, and it just it doesn't quite look great um terrain is a tricky thing to make and make it look good um and and terrain really matters now because you can't just run through or around it i mean there was a period where okay this is a forest and this is a hill and you could literally throw down just pieces of felt denoting the size right you know um and you really can't do that anymore no and no. so you've really got to be a little more choosy, I think, with your terrain. Um, you know, a piece of felt with a couple of, of trees on it will work if that's what you want to do um, and to move around the, the trees. Um, but once again, if you leave way too much space, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, it, it's not it's it's not just denoting a piece of terrain anymore. It, the actual size and space really matters. I mean, talk about going from terrain is just making the place look pretty to the terrain actually you know you're interacting with it it's it's there for a purpose uh especially if you roll up some of ben curry's dice and and you're literally rolling up for every piece of terrain it suddenly becomes so interactive that um you know every piece matters and everywhere you're placing your guys matters and the size of the terrain matters. Well, how much of you know, how much of your unit you know can you fit your unit on it to get your bonuses and stuff? So, like I said, I'm just I just I like the stuff that that the pre-made stuff that that's put out. Um, you, if you're gonna, in per, I guess my point is, if you're gonna make your own terrain, it, you got to make sure it it looks pretty good. Yeah, um, well, everything's a start. You know, yeah. you, you start with your foam, you start with your wire cu- hot wire cutter. That's usually where most people start, and they get these jagged edges, and it looks like these weird kind of like almost alien-esque type hills, you know, with the flat surfaces. And then and it's, as the more 
that you build terrain, the you start to evolve and you start to realize that, yeah, okay, it starts with the foam, but that's just the base, right? And then you start shaping the foam into more slopes and, and curves and hills. And then, and then you start, then what you can do is you can, once you get comfortable doing that, building those kind of rolling hills out of the foam, instead of just the, you know, kind of like the, 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 that flat surface with the edged, you know, kind of looks like a, I don't know, like a, like a cake plate, um, or some type of platform, right. you know, you start, you start, you take your, you take a sander, you can take a belt sander and you can kind of shape the, shape the foam. All right. So that it's kind of more rolling hills. And then, um, you know, the, the key when you're building your own terrain, you got to start with an MDF footprint. Okay. Uh, it's, it's critical. Um, you take that MDF footprint, you cut your shape, you glue your foam down to that, and then you build from there. You got to start with a solid base. And I've learned, it's been my experience that everything that I've ever built that was just foam, uh, it doesn't hold up. You know, it, it chips, it breaks, and then you're, you're doing repair work. And when I've nothing, I don't do anything without some type of MDF footprint on it as a base. Because okay. it, it just it just stands up to gameplay that way, you know, and transporting and moving it around. Um, even in, moving it around your basement, you'd be shocked, at, you know, how how things get damaged. Oh no, trust me, I know. Like I said, when I'm saying your your train's got to look good if you're going to make your own, I was speaking of of myself here. I was speaking of my you know on my own personal experience, my own personal going with my own ideas and beliefs. Because man, my stuff when I first started making, it, I thought it was pretty good and it looked pretty cool, and it just it doesn't. I don't quite have that whole idea of how to make that foam cutter work properly. I don't even I don't know how to clean up foam and make it look good after you've wire cut it. Like if you use the wire cutter and you got it, it does. It has weird jaggedy edges. They don't quite look like rock no matter how much you sit there and paint them up and dry brush up those edges. They're still very that that straight looks like it went through with a with the with a foam cutter. Mm-hmm. Um right. I don't know how to clean that up or or sand that down and 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 make it look more natural. So it's like, oh, you know, I'd just rather spend the money and just buy them. Really <laughs> well, it's would. an investment of time for sure. I mean, you know, it's not something that if you're going to go, you know, if you're, well, let me back that up, back, back, take that back a little bit. You know, like when you're, if you're mass producing for a tournament, um, you know, you, you might cut corners a little bit here or there. And, but when you're at home and you have the opportunity to do something that you're going to look at all the time, you know, you should invest the time to really make it look cool in my opinion, um, because you're going to be using it all the time. And, um, one of the things that came out of Holy Wars, um, last year was this idea of integrating pine bark nuggets into hills to create rock crags. So you get a even more natural, um, look to your terrain. And, um, so what, what we did was, you know, we had, we have our MDF footprint and then we would put the foam on top of it and we would shape the shape, the foam, not using a hot wire cutter because that those fumes could be, they're poisonous, right? So you're using that in your basement or you're using it in your garage. You got to make sure you have good ventilation. So what we did was we just used, uh, blades, Right, so I would cut. We would cut the cut the shape of the the hill using razor blades, and then 
we would take the the leftover pieces, the chunks of the foam, and put them like sticking upright. So they looked like you had these like little blocks of foam sticking up on the side of the hills. And then I glued pine bark nuggets that you can buy at Lowe's or Home Depot. Okay. Not pine bulk mulch. It's got to be the nuggets. Okay. And they're the bigger ones. So those make excellent rock surfaces. And you glue those onto the foam, and the foam sits as a base, right? And then, then after that, once you have those pine bark nuggets on there, what you do is you you wind up going back over them with uh, um, lightweight spackle, okay? And it fills the gaps, and then you can just hit it with a uh, with you know with your sander. Okay. okay, or you can sand it by hand, or if you have like a Dremel sander, you can just hit it with the Dremel sander, and then what you do, what you get then eventually is this wonderful rock formation that is just like just as good, if not better, than the stuff that that you see from uh, any of those um, you know terrain Sweet. producers. Very nice, nice, nice bit of advice there, because mine looked terrible. <laughs> uh, you could get there, dude. Can, I, and man. I will eventually. Like I said, this is just something I had no idea how this worked. I figured ask the guy who everyone says has the beautiful tables. So, <laughs> well, you haven't been here yet, so you don't know, bro. I've seen pictures. I know what uh, they look like. You got to play on I'm it, not, man. Oh, We're gonna get you there. It's all I, right. It will happen. It will happen. Yeah. All right. But the, go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say the one last thing. Like, if you're building, if you're gonna be using the spackle compound, um, the joint compound to smooth things out. Um, it's a common it's a common product to use. You still got to make sure you, after you've sand everything smooth, you got to hit it over. You got to hit it and seal it with PVA. Give it a good uh, a good few thick coats of PVA just to help its durability, and it gives you a better painting surface too. Oh well, yeah, yeah, because that's that stuff that is a that is a pain in the butt to paint. Absolutely, I know that just from using it around the house type stuff. So yeah, no, that's no good. So. Yeah. All right, good tips, good tips, good stuff. Um, all right, let's move on to models now. We've gone from the tables to the terrain. Now we talk a little bit about models. Um, we're going to skip basing because that's been all that's in my head for weeks, and if we start talking about that, it's just going to drive me more nuts and indecisive with my models. Um, plus, basing is such a weird thing now. Um, now, some people like to do conversions you are like a conversion maniac um what makes you want to do all these conversions like you know what inspires you to do this because i like the models like i look at the models that gw gives me and i'm like these are good models i like them i'll build them yeah. i'll paint them and some people look at them and just say yeah they're nice but i want to do and then suddenly like you just like you do some crazy stuff with your models like what inspires you to, to change it up and and like if it, if someone wants to try to do some conversions where we uh, other than just head swaps and arm swaps because everyone all of us can do that and we all know that where would you suggest them starting like you know what could, what could a, an aspiring converter what, where can we where can we begin well it it all starts with your it does all ultimately start with the army you've chosen um, the first the first army I ever did was the like with conversions was my wood elf army um and i was 
honored to have my army. It was the first tournament I had ever gone to, and it was Bits. And I was, I think, three or four years ago. And uh, Grant came up to me and he said, hey, your army's been selected. Um, and it's up for Best Painting nomination. And I was just floored by that. And that army had a lot of conversions in it. And um, the what what happened was when I was working on the army, I thought to myself, you know, I, I love the models, uh, I but what can I do to make it stand out? Because I knew I was going to a tournament. And so I started to evaluate the – I looked into my army book. Now, of course, we don't have army – not all – not everybody has army books right now. But what the first, the very first conversion I ever did was my uh, dryads. Um, and if anybody's ever seen my wood elf army, um, my, all my dryads are coming out of trees. Um, there, and that kind of that was the first start. So it was the dryads coming out of the trees, and that just led to me starting to evaluate how I'm going, what I was going to do next for, for my conversions. And that led to the idea of saying, okay, well, how do I dive deeper into creating a cinematic feel for, for that army? And then it evolved from there. You know, I had dryads that were literally, they are, there's one I'm holding in my hand right now that's literally coming out of a tree, the hollow body of a tree. And then I have a, I have a, my original branch wraith is leaping from inside of a, um, a dead hollowed out, another hollowed out tree. And those trees are actually branches from my garden that I cut off of a service berry tree in the front of my house. And then I hollowed them out with using my Dremel and, uh, chipped up the bark and everything and, and, and actually integrated them in, uh, integrated the model into those branches. And then from there it grew wow, to the point okay. where I, I'm sorry. I said, wow. Okay. And then from from there, I had the I had the idea of I wanted dryads leaping from trees. So what I did was I created um, I used the Games Workshop Citadel kit and connected bits of the branches from those trees to actual real branches from that same service berry, so that I had the them jumping off. And then I actually had the some of the dryads are actually coming out of that that um those um those citadel trees uh-huh. and i blended them in using green stuff and that was like my very first attempt with green stuff and it was easy to do because it's very forgiving when you're doing something like bark you know it doesn't it, it you can be a lot more forgiving when you're when you're sculpting with green stuff you just kind of push it in you know and you you flatten out the edges and then you put a couple you push on on there with your little sculpting tool to create these little like looks like bark you know indentations in the bark and you're done and i was like oh i'm like okay that 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 was easy and so then it moved on (laughs) to okay what's the next step and then it was it was creating you know my wild riders and the wild riders i knew that i didn't want my wild riders were just riding horses and so i I decided that I was going to have my wild riders um, riding the Thunderwolves from 40k. Okay, and uh, so they they ride the Thunderwolves, and they're they're actually you can see a good picture of them on my Twitter feed. They're the main you know the main picture on my Twitter page, um, and that was where I really got into doing green stuffing because I had to take out all the cybernetics on the wolves, and um, that's when I really f- started the first 
bit of 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 sculpting and then that's and then from there i went into the rats and then that's the most converted army i have is the the rats and hats that's like almost every model isn't it it's got something yes yeah um just about yeah um the 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 rank and file models have um the for those of you who don't know with the rats and hats the the theme was the idea behind it was that the skaven came up and they came up underneath and it started out with um oh gosh what town Nuln, um where the steam tanks are created right no um, yeah and so um it was the idea that they had conquered Nuln and they had taken some human technology and perverted it and um and then so the very first conversion from that was creating a converted steam tank that can function as a plague catapult slash warp lightning cannon. And then it just gets into this idea of saying, okay, I've, I've done my first, what can I do next? And it grows from there. And the, the next step was to create a, the plague furnace with the, with the Mersha miniature, the two headed rat, uh, Gung Fang, I think. No, it's not Gung Fang. What is that guy's name? Uh, never mind. Not important. And right. then, uh, so, so I, I did the, I did, I did that, and then it just kind of takes on a life of its own from there. I think, really, it's jumping off the cliff, David. That's that's the first step. You know, it's like saying, okay, what do I want to do? Uh, what army am I building? Number one, and then where do I want? You know, what what's the theme? What 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 kind of element can I pull off? Um, and then it's just taking that first step and doing your first, you know, the first conversion. Um, and then it just kind of takes on a life of its own from there. And then as the more you do it, the better you get at it. You know, like uh, for the paint challenge uh, this year, I did the Doom Trike. I don't know if you've seen that. You, you, yes. You may have. Yes. And the Doom Trike, that was just it, – it, it didn't start out being a Doom Trike. Uh, what it was basically going to be was just a conversion taking that um, adeptic, Adeptus Mechanicus uh, – character and turning him into a warlock engineer and then i i stepped it up one i looked back at my skaven army and i realized that my doom wheel i don't have a converted doom wheel you know everything else is converted but i don't have a converted doom wheel so i said all right i'm going to convert this this i'm going to create a, a a new doom wheel and um and then wayne kemp and i were talking via twitter and and he had mentioned a penny farthing and then he beat me to the punch on that. And then I came up with the concept of the Doom Trike. And the Doom Trike is just a cannibalization of bits. That's the other element. You know, it's like taking taking a look at your bit spin and laying it out and then seeing what could work together. And that's a the, that Doom Trike are bits of Doom Wheel kit, bits of the Screaming Bell kit. And that's how, and then even some little bits of already orc 40k stuff. And so it just grew from there. Um, so there's part of its creativity. Part of it is just a willingness to just give it a shot. And, and as you said, jump off the cliff there and and go for it. And then it becomes a, then it becomes an addiction. (laughs) No, it really, really does. It, it, you, you almost feel like, you're not doing your job as a hobbyist if you're not converting everything. Like when I painted the Yujing JSA army this year, I wanted to convert the hell out of that. But 
the Corvus Belly line doesn't really do much for conversions. They don't give you anything to work with, really. Yeah. And so it's just basically you build your model and you're pretty much done. And um, you just start painting. And so I almost felt like, well, why, you know, I almost I, I felt guilty in a way <laughs> that I wasn't converting them. Um, it does become you, – you do wind up finding yourself wanting to do more conversions. And then that's the really cool thing is that you start looking at these other game systems and you start thinking, okay, well, how could I convert this and make it really cool? So, you know – I it, it, like I said, it's once you take that first step, you got to be brave and take that first step. And sometimes you fail, you know, you fail miserably. You spent a lot of money on a model and it just didn't work. Um, and that's gut wrenching because you're just like, ah, damn, you know, I, I just wasted a hundred bucks, you know, um, th- that would, you know, the screaming, the, the scurvy keel, which is my, the, the, the bell boat. Right. That was terrifying to do because <laughs> <laughs> that know, was that forge world boat wasn't it yes it is it's the land ship yeah and that thing is just completely it's it, it's still the land ship but it's got rats everywhere and it's got the screaming bell attached to it and and it's got a instead of a mermaid it's got a mer rat and all kinds of stuff so that 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 there is like the the pinnacle of all my conversion experience kind of brought in into one um and and it's it that model it's that probably is a is probably the best example of take uh taking that leap of faith and just saying okay i'm gonna go for it and and see if it can work because you you know you're you're chopping stuff up you're you're experimenting and trying to to do stuff and like in my mind what happened with that project was it was just i was all consumed with that project for months you know just constantly thinking about okay well, well how could i make this work and there were mo- there are moments where you feel like you're not going to be able to get it done you know like you, your vision isn't going to come through um and and there's times where 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 it doesn't i'm looking at my uh i have a uh a wood elf um Spellweaver, who's riding atop a uh, the game zone uh, uh, great owl, um, right, and right. I haven't I haven't been able to to see that concept clearly in my mind in order to finish it. You know, I've, she's a she's a mix of a dark Eldar from the forty k range and the wood elves, and I just haven't been able to go to the next step. And then the same thing with my Thankwill and Bone Ripper. I have a. I'm looking at it right now. I've got a Thankwill Bone Ripper conversion where Bone Ripper is going to be wearing a puffy shirt. Okay. And, and I've got it like half sculpted, and then I've got a piece of the Hurricanum um, from the Empire. It's coming up out of the the backpack that Bone Ripper wears, and I'm using it as a, kind of like a, a warp lightning generator. Um, and I've got a crystal that I cast from some resin that's sitting in the center of what, you know, the hurricane when it spins around. So it's this crystal sitting there in the center and, and I haven't been able to see the vision of where it's going to go next. So it's just been sitting there and it's been sitting there since the masters of last year, which is, oh, you geez. know, yeah. So, I mean, so when you're, when you're talking about converting, it's, it you know, it's taking that leap of faith, but also realizing that you might not get it done. So, um, I'm just depressing myself now. Thanks, Dave. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, let's take a break. 
Uh, you know, when we come back, we're going to wrap up, but we're going to ju- we're going to talk just a little bit about um, a little bit about painting. Um, you know, you know, going from you know three color standard and maybe a little bit about blending and stuff like that before we wrap up the show. Um, and uh, we'll do that when we come back. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. Okay, so here we are, one last time for this show, and we've talked about a lot of hobby. We haven't talked anything about painting, and Steve, you uh, you are pretty good with the painting. You've won your share of the best painted awards. Yeah, yeah. I can retire. <laughs> <laughs> that was the goal. So, um, now, I mean, some people are just happy with uh, three colors. You know, some people want to do more. Some people want to go whole hog and do all sorts of conversions. Now, um, you don't airbrush, do you? That's I like, do. Oh, do you? Okay. Not, but not on my fantasy stuff. Um, I airbrush my, you, my infinity rain, uh, line. Yeah. Uh, but I only use it as a, uh, for the, on the infinity, I only used it on the basing. So, so you're like me, I use a little bit on the basing. I haven't really gotten past that yet as, as far as, um, I just don't have the ability right now, uh, and it's not—it's not something I have the time or desire to really sit down and practice enough with. I think that's going to be—that's like my summer, my summer plan, my summer mm-hmm. hobby project—is to find some time, sit out while the kids are playing out in the yard, go out in the garage or something like that, and find some time and and, and practice a bit more with the airbrush. All of the Blade Runner table was airbrushed, um, and the cars were airbrushed. Cool on that table. Um, but as far as painting my miniatures, um, for the fantasy, uh, fantasy work, it was all, it was all, um, it's all brushwork. Okay. Now, uh, I'm, I'm a personal, like, I'm a personal believer that if you, you know, if you're, I have no problem with the three color minimum people. I, I, I rarely find anybody who does just three colors anyway, like three color minimum. Like I, I, I almost never see that. Like there's always going to mm-hmm. be something more you know because it's hard to do especially in a gw model like to limit yourself to three colors means something's not getting painted almost you know yeah there's a ton of detail there right three color like lends itself better to to a range like malifaux possibly yeah yeah paint up a lot quicker um i have no problem with it um my my issues really come into play where 
when I show up to a tournament and I'm playing against somebody that I'm bare plastic. So if you've got three color minimum, I think it's fantastic that you put in the time to paint them up, you know, and, and if you, if you're a three color minimum guy and that's all you want to do, then awesome. Um, you know, it's so much better to play a game against, against painted miniatures than it is to play against bare plastic or, or metal. Exactly. I'm here to compete. So I just want to get my, my, my basics. Right. So yeah. that I can play. I'm, I'm good For sure. that. I got no beef. Now, my biggest trouble comes in with the blending. Mm-hmm. Um, even some of my best stuff is just not not blended very well. You got any advice? Because your stuff is really uh, just smooth. Like you see these beautiful transitions. You, um, you and Hastings seem to yeah, have it. Johnny. Johnny does it Johnny's, well. a, Johnny's, Johnny's is a master. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. He's what everybody aspires to be. Yeah, kind of, uh, you know, from, from a, from a blending standpoint, for sure. It's, it's really, it, it comes down to just thinning down your paint is what I've realized, um, over my, in, in my experience. Um, it's just making sure that you, that you understand that if you want to get that good transition, you've got to have the paint, um, thinned down. Now, I used to be a fan, an ardent fan of just using straight water to thin my paints, but now I've actually been using two different two different products, which I've had really great results with. So, um, well, the the first one is the is GWs, you know, on lanthanum medium. Um, That stuff is great. Um, It it, it's fantastic. It works. It works really really well. Um, So you lose you use lamian medium instead of water. Uh, yeah, I'll use that more often than water now when I'm, when I'm painting, um, the GW stuff, but the most recent, the most recent thing that, um, I've started to do and I'm giving away a a secret here. Well, the other, the other thing that I use to thin down my paints is Vallejo airbrush thinner, believe it or not. Yeah. That's, that stuff is really, really good. Um, what I, the way I discovered that was, um, there's a company out there called, uh, oh gosh, what are they called? Create, create it, Creatix. Uh, it's an airbrush paint. Let me just double check the name on that. Cause, uh, it, basically this, I, I bought this airbrush paint cause I ran out of, um, uh, I ran, I ran, I ran out of my, um, my airbrush paint. And so I had to get some white. So yeah, it's Creatix. So I got some some white opaque Creatix uh, airbrush paint from Hobby Lobby, and I put the stuff into my airbrush, and it was as thick as like, like like Elmer's glue. It was horrible. Okay. And it just clogged up my brush, and I was just so really annoyed by it. So I grabbed my Vallejo airbrush thinner, and I put that in there, and it made this stuff like work amazingly well. So then from there, I was like, I wonder. And so I went ahead and, and used that on some of my um, my corn red. Uh, you know, I wanted to water down some of that. That uh, Actually, it was Mephisto. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Mephisto red um, from GW. And it worked tremendously. So And all it took was like, uh, like two drops. And uh, it's just been great as a, as a, thinning, as a thinning agent. Now, for the Eugene Army, uh, the JSA uh, for Infinity, all of that painting that was done, all the brushwork that was done, Dave, was all done using airbrush paints. 
Okay. Because they're thinner. Yes, they are. I have some of the Minotaurs from Yep. And so blending those are a lot easier than trying to blend the GW paints out of the paint pots. So how thin do you have to get it, though, to get that seamless blend? I just don't, I don't under, I mean, I guess I'm more of a visual learner. Like, I like to see people doing it to get it. Uh I just, how do you, what do you do? What do you do? Take us through, you know, this will be like the last thing we talk about. Take us through, sort of step, talk me through how you, you know, try to get that blend going through. You're going from a dark blue to a light blue, or you're going from one color to another, and you want to get that nice sort of seamless blend in. Talk me through it. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Uh, I could show you. I'm okay. not sure I can actually talk you well, through it. Well, I'm going to hold you to that, but try to you know, just... Um. Well, I'm, I'm thinking right now, like when I'm blending... Let me think about it first. Let me take a look. I'm, I'm assuming looking you at my models right dark. now. Trying to, huh? least, what was that, Dave? I'm, I'm assuming you start with the dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. You start okay. with the dark and you and you build up to the light. Um, the the blending, you know, when I'm when I'm look what I'm looking for is you you're gonna know if you've got too much water on the brush by the way if 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 you've watered down the paint too much, the the brush shows you because like you you dip your brush into the paint to the your watered down paint and then the brush almost looks like it swells up you know what i'm saying like um you know when you dip your brush in in the paint straight paint and you pull it out the brush maintains its shape okay do you follow me um so like when you're when you're painting uh and you put your paint brush when you clean it and you put it in the water and you pull it out, right? The water kind of beads on top of the brush. Right. It's like it sits there, right? Well, when you're thinning your paint, you still want to have your paint. You want the brush to absorb the paint. You don't want the paint to be sitting on top of the bristles, like in a drop. That means you've got too much liquid, too much water, or too much medium in the paint. Um, and so. What you what you have to do is you have to build it up slowly. I mean, it might take, like when I'm blending my flesh tones on my rats, um, it, it that's the longest part um, of the process uh, is to is to do the blending so that you get that smooth transition from the dark flesh to the lighter flesh to the highlights. Okay. And, and so what you're doing is you're you're building it up a little bit at a time, and the key is is to not rush it. So, and the other thing is, is that you want to make sure that in between each transitional layer, you let that layer dry. If you go too fast, then you're going to have problems with creating the transition and the blend. I have now gotten to a point where I'm doing all wet blending. So what I'm actually doing is I'm laying down the dark color uh, first. I let that dry and then I'm taking my, my, intermediate and my highlight colors and i'm applying them at the same time and then wet blending them okay and so that's just where you get the light and the dark and then you sort of i'm blending them together and that gives me my seamless transition so and it's actually saving a lot of time instead of going from you know one layer to the next layer to the next layer to the next layer wow okay <laughs> so i know that didn't explain things very well for you but when you're when you wet blend once and I don't do the wet blending that some people do. Like some people do wet blending using two different brushes. 
Okay. I don't do that. I just use one brush. And so what you're going to basically do is you, you, the way the technique works for me is that I lay down my, my two colors and then I pull them together and then I'm, I'm kind of almost in a sense, removing paint to create the blend, to smooth it out. Like, so I'll, 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 I'll go ahead in between the two colors. So if it's a lighter blue and a darker blue and I want to blend those two together, I get the paint and I bring them together. And then what I start doing is I actually start removing a little bit of the paint, the thickness of the paint. Okay. And and then, and then just slowly transitioning that together. And then that creates that seamless blend between the two. I hope that helps. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining that for you. And I apologize. And to the listeners, I apologize. It's cool. It's cool. It's a hard thing to explain. I just wanted to, I want to take I wanted you to take a shot at it because if I can pick up anything, dude, I'm like I said, I'm just trying to pick up any tips I can because Have you done wet blending yet, Dave? You know, we were at Adepticon one year and I took a, I took a class on it. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, it was a, it was a hot mess. I I did okay. mess I did mess blending is kind of what I learned. Um <laughs> huh. but uh it, it's I mean, I I I get the concept. It's just it never kind of turns out the way I want it to turn out. So, like I said, I'm just right now. I'm 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 learning, you know. And what uh, I would do is, if you've got, you know, you mentioned your terrain, I would experiment on your terrain with wet blending. Oh, that's not a bad idea. So, what I would do, if you haven't, one of the one of a, a good way to start would be with grays. So, because you're going to get an, you know, no matter what you do, it's probably going to still look okay. Um, because it's going to look like stone. So if you have those hard edges, it's not going to be a big deal. Right. Um, but if you, if you work with the grays and you do a little bit of wet blending on a flat surface first, um, you know, something maybe like the stone and has like that, maybe it's like the, uh, the stairs leading up to the, oh gosh, what's the orbital looking thing? Yeah. I know what you're talking Talking about. about. Yeah. So, um, you you might you might find a little bit having a little bit more success there. Um, a lot of my I, I taught the holy hammers here when we were building our camp our uh, mighty empires campaign map with the tiles. Right. I was showing them how to do the wet blending there on that surface, and a lot of them were able to pick it up using it doing it there on that as opposed to you know sitting down on a model and trying it because uh-huh. it's pretty intimidating to sit down on a model and say okay I'm going to wet blend this. This arm, you know, the hand on the hell pit abomination. I'm going to do a wet blend of 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 you know flesh tone on such a prominent piece. That's that's you know that's pretty intimidating. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. And then if it kind of messes up on a piece of terrain, you're like, who cares, right? Exactly. And you can just throw a wash on top of it and say it's shaded, or you can throw a pigment powder and just kind of pigment it up, and it's, it's done. So I would I would experiment there first before you experiment on an actual model i find wet blending is a better way to get those smooth transitions than to do it the thinning down the paint way because that's that's so dependent upon how much medium you put in to how much paint and each paint is different too you know some paints have more opacity than others and so you have issues when you're trying to do uh you know reds it before the gw reds i mean the new gw reds are fantastic but in you know, if you're using Vallejo's red red line, which I'm looking at right now on my, on my table, that could be a pain in the ass to try to wet blend those. I see. I mean, I'm um, sorry, traditionally blend those. Okay. 
web web blending goes a little bit uh, definitely goes easier i find it easier but you, you need to start with that base color whatever that base color is you put that down first and then you've got your two or three colors that you're gonna blend between good to know all right. Well, Steve, thanks for the tips, man. Thanks for the ideas. I and hope the they were helpful. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, I was just rambling. You know so hopefully they're helpful. You know, I found them helpful. So honestly, if, if, if nobody else listening found them helpful, <laughs> too damn bad because I found them helpful. And I'm the one who's sitting here having the conversation with you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's honestly, like that's down. that's where it's at. It's, it's right. you yeah. know. I'm being maybe I'm being selfish, but it's me, me, me. What's helping me? Because I'm the one who's listening here, so all right, I'm the one who's having the conversation. So, all right, all right, folks. I think we're wrapping it up. That's another show here. Um, we'll be back with episode 140 in a few weeks. Steve, thank you so much for coming on. You're going to be really busy this weekend with doing Holy Wars. Yes, we will. It should be a good time. Um, if any locals hear this show before Holy Wars, we do have a couple slots open. We had a couple last minute drops, and that's uh, <clears throat> now that that's Saturday and Sunday, the twenty seventh and twenty eighth. Uh, is there yep. stuff going on on the twenty sixth as well? Uh, just open gaming. So if anybody wants to come out to the venue, it's at the Hampton Inn in Yorkville, Illinois. If you want to come out and just check out the tables and hang out and. I know a few of the players who had to drop because of uh, business reasons are going to be there hanging out and playing games. By all means, stop by. We'd love to have you guys be there. Oh, and Beasts of War are going to be there all day Saturday. They're going to be doing live blogging and coverage of the event, so we're super excited about that. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, it's just It's nuts. It's just absolutely crazy, but yeah. That's really cool. Beasts of War is coming out to cover your event. Yeah, I know. That's a that dude. That's kind of that's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty shocking, man. I I was like, wait, what? Really? I we I, at first I thought it was a joke, right? And then no, it's for real. And uh, so uh, so Don and Gigi, who are the Midwest, I guess Midwest. I'm not sure what their positions are. I know Don works for him for sure. They're going to be at the event, and they're gonna. They've asked to. They want to. They want to chronicle two players throughout the day see how it goes so we've got our two players lined up i just heard from them during the show and um and then um yeah so it should be fun and there's gonna be uh there's gonna be a special announcement so uh it's gonna be a lot of fun so um hopefully uh you know um everybody will enjoy themselves it'll be the first our first aos tournament and um we're super excited. Yeah. Put a lot of work into this one. So Well, yeah, no kidding, huh? Almost as much as last year's. Yeah, yeah. It's Well, it's exciting, I, man. That's really cool. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah. We're we're excited about it. All right. Well, uh, folks, like I said, that's it. Um if you want, go to garagehammer.net slash forum or go to garagehammer.net and click on the forum button. And um under episode discussion, you can jump over to episode 139 and let us know what you thought of the show. You can also go to our Facebook page and uh, let us know what you thought there. Uh, otherwise, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, all the usual stuff. If you want to uh, you want to leave us an iTunes review, that's really cool. I mean, you know, they don't really. Everyone says it makes it easier to find them on iTunes and stuff. I don't I don't buy that for a second. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't buy it. You know, yeah. like, you know, some people have a thousand billion reviews, and I haven't gotten one in a while. But if you look up Warhammer stuff, I'm still there. So, 
Hey, but honestly, I look, I read them, I appreciate them, you know, but, you know, just, hey, leave one if you want. I do read them, I do appreciate them, it makes me feel good, so thank you. <laughs> um, but otherwise, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's it. So, until next time, folks, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fail. And only the faithful know no despair, except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forum at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at GarageHammer.net. And you can reach both of us through GarageHammer at Live.com. If you want to help support GarageHammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>